just a little change Small to say the least Both a little scared Neither one prepared Beauty and the Beast Hello and welcome to episode 242 of the Samuel and Manuel movie podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Sam Reimer. And I'm uh, Manny Manuel. And I'm Jordan Spires. Jordan, Jordan, for the love of God, bring some energy to us tonight. (laughs) You you sensed it perfectly off air. You know both of us pretty well at this point. We are are a couple of zombies here tonight. I think think it's safe to say the world has kind of... (laughs) had its way with all of us a little bit this week and yeah the energy absolutely. is low but you know what we're all we're all here now we get to talk about this movie which we may or may not love i'm sure we'll get into that um but i hope i hope we all we all get the juices flowing a little bit i'm on my second coca-cola already myself yeah there's definitely it's definitely been a long week a lot's been going on i'm tired but i've got my bubble tea and i'm hoping to like come up to this bring this level up too so i need to i need to get there <laughs> bubble tea hey bubble tea i was I've really feeling had, it today i've only had that once i don't know Fairly. if i've ever had bubble tea wasn't impressed fair enough it really depends on the kind some of them are bad some of them are really good okay it's bubble tea ha- does it have those like little jujuju balls in it or something like that it does, and I used to hate it when I was in okay. university. My friend made me try it once, and I was like, "I hate that." There's like, I'm not going to say it, but I hate the little, I hate them in my mouth. And uh, <laughs> but, <laughs> um, but eventually, I, I got so used do to I, it. <laughs> so do I. So do I. Yeah. Good. Good. I'm glad. <laughs> glad we're all on the same page. It's always kind of weirded me out that they're like marbles. It's like that's what they, that's what they kind of seem like. It seems well, like they're like yeah, marble like they're... consistency. Well, like they're the size of marbles, but then they kind of just like dissolve in your mouth. Really weird. Yeah, it is weird. I don't know if I trust that. That's Boo earns <laughs> and the negativity begins already. You see what I'm talking about? We need we're some... just over two minutes in, so it sounds exactly. About right. We're yeah. all we're all shitting on something collectively already. But if there is one thing that deserves it, it's bubble tea. That is so true. Uh, so welcome back, Jordan, for a record-setting twelfth time. Woo-hoo. <laughs> now, we asked Jordan prior to recording, because uh, I'd forgotten to count, how many times did she think she'd been on here? And her guess was six. Incorrect. Grossly underestimated that yeah. one. Yes. I, uh, I think I kind of just forgot about the last year and how much I was on uh, when like Sam was away and everything. Like I kind of just forgot about, about a bunch of things. So yeah, I, think I, did, I think I covered for you at least three times. That is 100% correct. You were on five times last year. Jesus. <laughs> what was your first appearance ever? I forget. It was I Annihilation, remember. wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. It was, it, was back, yeah. it was back in your apartment. Yeah, that's Annihilation. right. Annihilation, yeah. It's a long time ago now. That's that 2018. a long time ago. Yeah, I, I only lived in that apartment for one year, and it was 2018. Yeah, yeah. You want the whole list? Can you I see it? if I can do the list? Okay, well, that, I'm gonna, that'll be hard. I'm going to try. So well, I know we got. It'll be hard for me. Okay, be hard ahead. for you. Fair enough. I mean, I know we got Annihilation in there. That was the first one. Yeah. Um, I've done Toy Story four. Correct. I've done Arrival, Dune, and then I've done Thelma and Louise, Unforgiven, Sleepless in Seattle. Oh fuck, that's only seven. 
Oh, fu- oh, and then Harry Potter, Prisoner of Azkaban, Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 2. That's nine. What am I missing? Oh, shit. I got nine. Um, Hold on. Where are you on this list? Oh, I can't, fuck. I can't think of anything. You named all the ones that I knew off the top of my head. What's I really saying? can't. There's got to be some older ones in there as well. There's got to be. I feel like there's one almost in between Toy Story 4 and... Um. Uh, between Toy Story four and Annihilation. Okay. Uh, how many are you missing? Two, you say? Two. Okay, you're missing the one that you did where we had four people on at the same time. Oh, Jurassic Park with Rachel. There you go. And then. And the other one you're missing is from last year. One of the best picture nominees from 1992. Oh, a few good men. There you go. There we go. We got there. Fuck. <laughs> That's quite a list. Those, those are pretty good movies. It's not bad. Yeah. I don't usually come on here for bad movies. <laughs> yeah. I know it's pretty rare anybody comes on for a bad movie. I would love for somebody to come I on for a bad movie. I was just thinking. I actually feel like well, it'd be a lot of fun that, to do one to you shit think on. Are bad, Manny. There's movies that you think are bad that people have been on for. I'm looking at Dumb and Dumber. <laughs> oh, I don't think Dumb and Dumber is bad. I just don't like it. I'm pretty sure it's you gave a it a bad, two, didn't you? Yeah, because I don't like the movie. But right. it's not a bad movie. I understand why everyone likes it. Got it. Like, it would have been fun to have Jordan on for, like, Shining Through or something. Oh, God. Yeah, some of the Razzie winners. I will say, Jordan, uh, some of the Razzie winners. Uh, we just did Hudson Hawk. I don't know if you listened to that episode, but that was a fucking blast of a movie. I actually loved that. Yeah. Yeah, like, it, it's... He, it, he gave it a three. I gave I, it a one. Yeah. <laughs> And it's I like mean, an it's ironic. Like a... It's an ironic three. Like it's it's a really it is really a bad movie. That is Ooh, a bad movie. That is a seventeen metascore. Yeah, yeah. But like, try but just you know try what? to find a with... movie with a seventeen metascore <laughs> that isn't also a blast. <laughs> you know it's what I'm fair. saying? So to say, like, I'm watching uh, I'm watching the just like the trailer that pops up on IMDb, and I can't quite figure out what's going on. But I would probably at least watch it. I'd... I watched the movie, and I still can't figure out what's going on. <laughs> Dude, the villain in that movie, superb. Just a superb (laughs) villain. Eating a whole ham sandwich. (laughs) Yes. Oh, I love that. Yeah, he understood the assignment. It's it's Richard E. Grant. Oh, I like him. You will if you like him, you will love him in this movie. (laughs) Maybe I'll try and see if I could squeeze that in and then I'll put it on my list and man, you'll get mad at me. I'd be so sad. I'd be so sad. Jordan, I know you, and I think I think you would you would get why I liked it. I don't I genuinely don't know if you'd have a good time. Like my enjoyment of it is on the same level as like my enjoyment of the room. But I I love the room. (laughs) I don't think it's as bad as the room, even because nothing is, but No, nothing is as bad as that movie. But it's at least trying to be fun. Whereas the room is trying to be good. Uh, is, I don't think I it's think on it, anything. I think, I, no, it is yeah, on Netflix. It's on Netflix. Right oh, it is? Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. cool. Yeah, I haven't ditched mine yet because I'm the person everybody leeches off of. I'm not the leecher, leecher, so I've still got mine going for a while. Recommend uh, recommend a couple of drinks if you are going to go I was about to say, I feel like I need to be like, Definitely. like a little tipsy a or a little going. high or something to watch <laughs> yeah. this to really enjoy it. Yeah, I would be, I would be so happy if you watched it. <laughs> I'm gonna watch this over like like JFK or or um oh. I can't even remember what couple of the I know there's so many I haven't watched yet for 1991. I really uh 
really was not on it. I was so busy focusing on my 2022 movies and getting those down that yeah. I just forgot about 1991. Well, Manny and I were I'll just saying, like, this is the last episode we have with a movie as the primary focus for several weeks. And we did that intentionally. Like, we have oh. the year in review, and then we just have several, like, list episodes. Oh, right. Yeah. And then I guess, like, the, the, the 2022. And we have no movies to review for the next five weeks. That's crazy. Which yeah. is which is not the worst, That's especially when we're in the in the nitty gritty of Oscar season. True. Those yeah. are also some of my favorite episodes. I love like your like year in review or your list list episodes. Or you guys we're... did one where you were like going through like the top. Like I can't remember what the list was, but you're going with like like the best like the top movies of all time or something like that. Oh yeah, was it like a bracket or something? Something no, like that. No, there there was there was a there was two episodes. I did one with Chards. And I did listen I, to that and, one. And I did one with Sam. It was Sam's return episode where I right, we yeah. went through a top 100 list and yeah. we just talked about it blind. Mm-hmm. The bracket the bracket episode was a lot of fun, which we'll be doing other other ones going forward. Mm. That bracket episode was a lot of fun. Um, if you like those kind of episodes as well, uh, Jordan, and for our listeners, <clears throat> we're actually debuting a new kind of list uh in two weeks oh yeah, first, first week after the year in review the 1991 yeah. wow. year in review so next week is our 1991 year in review the week after that is a brand new type of episode that we'll be doing every year going forward oh i'm excited yeah yeah interesting i'm excited to see how uh how it turns out but all that welcome back jordan Thank an you. absolute pleasure to have you as always uh, so let's start discussing movies. Sam, you had a couple films that you uh, would like to discuss. Why don't you share with us what you've been watching? Yeah, for sure. Um, so obviously I'm in, I'm neck deep in 2022 mode. So I got a couple of those to cross off. Uh, not sure which of these I want to start with. I'll go with this one. Uh, I checked out the 2022 drama directed by Steven Spielberg, <gasps> Fablemans. Uh, growing up in post-World War II era Arizona, young Sammy Fableman aspires to become a filmmaker as he reaches adolescence, but soon discovers a shattering family secret and explores how the power of films can help him see the truth. Both of you guys have seen this, right? Yes. Oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy. I'm so happy right now. Okay. <laughs> Uh, so I went into this, uh, only really knowing that it was an autobiographical or semi-autobiographical, uh, movie about Steven Spielberg's life and his upbringing. Uh, this movie is so touching. If, if Spielberg has one area where, you know, he has such a wide range in his films, but really the common thread that runs throughout is his sentimentality. For, for better or worse, the man is always completely optimistic and overly sentimental. And this, uh, which is just about his life and about his family, who he loves, is such a, uh, just a, such a fit for his style of storytelling. Um, the nostalgia really pours on through and you can feel the love for uh, the people on screen who um, are named the Fablemans, not the, not the Spielbergs. <laughs> And uh, the main character is an aspiring director named Sammy, not Steven. Um, but, you know, he's not exactly fooling anyone with, with any of that. Um, there are aspects of the plots that... Um, I don't know if certain things like the, that plot synopsis alluded to a family secret. I don't know if that was supposed to be like a, like a secret to the audience. It felt like it was pretty hinted at right off the, right off the get-go. Um, 
so so that's all fine um really i think where this movie shines is kind of towards the end when uh sammy has really just rediscovered his gifts he got kind of goes through phases in the movie of sometimes he wants to be a director sometimes he doesn't um towards the end of the movie there's a scene by some lockers it's a conversation that sammy has with one of his high school bullies and like it just fucking hit me so hard in my heart i don't know why something about that scene um they managed to touch on so many themes about um first of all about high school and about bullying and about the politics there but also about filmmaking and what it does and what um his responsibility to the truth is as a filmmaker and they touch on a lot of these aspects that are really interesting Um, i mentioned in the in the group chat that i've been watching tons of films recently that are about um that are about artists and about the ethics of producing art. It just kind of worked out that way, uh, especially with the 2022 watches. Um, But this just really spoke to me um, when I watched it. I had a really good time. And of course, uh, Steven Spielberg, while his record isn't spotless as far as great movies, I I think he's produced or he's, he's put out just another movie, which is added to his long, long resume of, uh, of fantastic movies. Um, I gave this a four and uh, something tells me both of y'all gave it at least that as well. Yeah. I'm pretty sure I gave it a four as well. <laughs> uh, I did really enjoy it. I was also really lucky that I, um, I live in a city, so I got to see it in theaters, uh, which I know not everybody had the opportunity to, especially this the- did play at the, at the downtown theater in Kamloops. Yeah. Nice. So I think Manny and I both saw this in, in theaters in Kamloops. Nice. No, Manny no I don't think Manny didn't know he watched it on demand. The moment it was available for me to buy digitally, I bought it <laughs> in a heartbeat. Yeah, that doesn't yeah. surprise me. Because you're a slut for Steven Spielberg. I am. Yep. <laughs> Unabashedly. Well, because it, it must have only just came out in theaters in Kamloops, did it? Yeah, it did. Yeah, just recently. Yeah. I saw this yeah. probably on Saturday, I want to say. Yep. Yeah. Fair. Yeah, no, I did really enjoy the movie, and it definitely does hit at what Steven Spielberg is best at. Uh, parts of it did fall a little flat for me. Um, just some of the story, some of the story, I think probably similar to you, Sam, there are just some aspects of the story that were just kind of not necessary and didn't necessarily feed to the rest of the movie. But, you know, it's, it's a movie that Hollywood loves. It's a movie about movies and why they're so important to people's lives and the effects that they can have. Um, so it's no surprise that it's garnered the appreciation that it has. Um, I really enjoyed it. It's not one I think I'll go back to all too often. If I'm going to go back to Spielberg, I think there's a few other ones that I'd rather go to first. Um, but I could revisit this and still still enjoy myself pretty well. I absolutely fucking love this yeah. movie. <laughs> <laughs> this I'm shocked. Movie, yeah, right, shocker. Uh, yeah. This movie really hit me emotionally. Uh, in regards to a lot of different aspects. The idea of Sammy Fableman discovering film at a young age and being obsessive over it uh, hit a little close to home. He, well, I shouldn't say unfortunately. Unfortunately for myself, uh, I don't carry the same artistic talent that someone like Sammy Fableman or Steven Spielberg have, so I'd never really pursued a career in film, but my appreciation for it 
really grew at a much later age than Sammy Fableman. I knew the basic story of Steven Spielberg uh, prior to watching this. I knew that this was a semi-autobiographical film. Uh, you could almost take away the semi part. Um, there's almost everything that happens in here uh, happened to him in real life, uh, including that secret. That's uh, oh, really? also oh yep yep oh damn that is that is I was 100, curious about that one hundred percent true. <laughs> uh, as <clears throat> not a big spoiler. As is the monkey, hundred percent true. Wow, <laughs> interesting. Yes, damn. Uh, I remember one of the things going into this movie prior to me being able to see it because uh, it didn't get get here. But a lot of the talk on this film was Michelle Williams' performance, which a lot of people felt that if she she had basically had the best supporting actress Oscar locked up, but she decided to run in lead, uh, which is a very stupid thing to do this year. <laughs> um, yeah, it's a tough race. I don't even think it's a tough race. I think it's. I think you got to at least entertain the fact that it could be close between the two. I don't think it's going to be close. <laughs> I don't. But I think... Th segue off to this. <laughs> segue onto the Oscar race. The only reason that it's a close race is that the person that should win this year already has two Oscars. That's the only reason it's yeah, close. Yeah, that's fair. It's not... Uh, sadly, it's not a meritocracy. If you look at the two lead horses in this race i don't yeah. think i don't think they're close and the only reason they're close is that one person already has two oscars that's the only reason in my opinion that they're close i think michelle yo in the vowels movie as i prefer to call it now <laughs> yeah, um, i love i who called it that west for the first time that killed me yeah we, we, <laughs> we both we both stole that off of another podcast oh, nice. um it is her performance when i watched it I was like, that's a good performance, and I hope she gets a nomination. After watching Tar, I was like, nobody else should be in this in this category. It should just be the best Kate Blanchett award this year. <laughs> in, in, in my in my opinion, her performance as Lydia Tar, like I said last year, is on par with Daniel Day Lewis's performance as Daniel Playview in There Will Be Blood. It's it is an iconic performance that we will be discussing for years and decades to come. That's my opinion. If Kate Blanchett didn't have two Oscars already, we wouldn't be talking about it being a tight race. My opinion. That's fair. Back to Michelle Williams. If she was in supporting actress, I think she would have it locked up. But she decided to try to win lead, and she picked the wrong year to do it. Uh, I think she's absolutely great. I'm really sad that Paul Dano didn't get a supporting actor nomination. Uh, it's not one of those showy role performances, but it, he is, I think, fantastic in this. Uh, he lost out to his co-star, Judd Hirsch, <laughs> who is in two scenes, but that one scene in the bedroom is pretty fucking fantastic. It's excellent. It's one of the highlights of the movie. It is, and it's a really impassioned monologue that he gives, but a one-scene performance... I don't think that it, it should have got that nomination. It's a that one scene is great. If he was in the movie more, uh, anyways, it's like the Dame um, Dame Judy Dench award. Yeah, but the Dame Judy Dench, she just wasn't in it often. But she has more than one. She has more than two scenes in Shakespeare in Love. She's got like five or six. They're just mm. not long. Um, 
on the topic of other nominations for this movie, I just want to give a shout out uh, to somebody who didn't get nominated. I don't necessarily think he should have, but I just wanted to give him a quick shout out. Gabriel LaBelle, uh, kind oh. of a newcomer as Sammy Fableman. Very impressive. I, yeah, he was. I was very, very impressed by his performance. I don't know him from anything else. I don't know if you guys do. I, I, I don't. don't and uh, I've only seen two of the five lead performances this year. Um. So we'll see when I see the other three. I know that one, I well, 100% agree that should be there, but I haven't seen uh, Living and, is it After Sun? Yeah. Yeah, I haven't seen those two yet, or, or The Whale, uh, but I know that everything I hear that he should be in there. So the other two, I hope they're good because I, I, I really would have liked to have seen uh, him get a nomination. I, I think he's really great. Yeah. There's so many great scenes. Uh I absolutely love this movie. I've already watched it twice. I'm definitely going to be watching it again. This movie makes me feel so good because of its love and obvious love and appreciation of the power of filmmaking. Um, this is a movie that I will be watching over and over again anytime I want to <clears throat> feel good about movies. Um, all right. I mean, that's all I have to say about the Fablemans. Yep. I'm uh, yep. going to move on from there. I gave it a four and, uh, do you guys want to share your scores if you didn't already? I gave it a five. five I gave it a four. four. Yeah. yeah. Um, so from one movie, which is very optimistic about art, I think I said in the group chat that the Fablemans was about uh, doing what you want, basically, and consequences be damned. I think that's true. So going from that kind of mentality um, to this one present in The Menu. <laughs> Uh, a young couple travels to a remote island to eat an exclu- to eat at excuse me eat at an exclusive restaurant where the chef has prepared a lavish menu with some shocking surprises. Um, both of you have seen this? Oh yes. No sir. Oh okay. Manny. I won't I won't get too deep into spoilers uh, because Manny hasn't seen it. I'll suffice it to say it's very much worth a watch. It's classified as a horror on Letterboxd, and I think it is on um, IMDb as well. I don't really get that classification. Um, I, the I think it's thriller, also misleading. Yeah, thriller, sure. Um, there's there's nothing really in here that I considered actually horrific as far as I'm concerned. I, I kind of view this as a thriller. Um, one movie that I've compared this to a lot and describing it to a lot of people that I've talked to is Glass Onion. It's it's a it's basically a more grotesque Glass Onion. Like a bunch of a bunch of rich people brought to an island and mysterious shit starts to happen at this at this kind of upscale place. That's that's kind of the movie. Um, so as far as I'm concerned, if you like Glass Onion, you're not opposed to like a little bit more blood and violence. Like you're probably fine with with the menu. Um, performances are all at least pretty good. Um, I like Anya Taylor Joy as an actress, and she does good work in the lead. She kind of is just herself. Nothing really to report out of the ordinary other than that she's perfectly serviceable. Um, the performance that I really actually like in this movie is of Nicholas Holt. Uh, from the first scene that he's in, you just fucking hate this dude. He <laughs> is such a pretentious piece of shit and just disregards the well-being of everybody else in the movie at every opportunity. And that's absolutely what the intention of the character is it's very effective and i loved to hate this guy uh it was very well written and very well realized by nicholas holt um i say that this is sort of an opposite um what's the word i'm looking for an opposite tone 
to the Fablemans when it comes to the art of creation in that this is a lot less um, optimistic. This is more of a fuck you to critics. It's a fuck you to it's a fuck you to critics. It's a fuck you to creators. It's a fuck you to consumers. It's basically a fuck you to anybody who doesn't want to let an artist do what an artist wants to do. That the, the that is what the movie is, and I'll kind of leave it there to not uh, get into spoilers too much. I liked this, Manny. I think you would at least enjoy this um, if you if you're debating checking it out. I know you're probably in Oscar mode right now, and I don't think this really did. This get any nominations? I don't think so. No, no I don't think it did. No, zero nominations. So um, I doubt Manny that you'll have really the time or motivation to check this out before the Oscars. But if you do, I think you'll come away from it um, with a positive experience. I gave it a four. Um, Jordan, did you want to share your uh, score as well? Yeah, I gave it, I think I gave it a four as well. And I echo a lot of your sentiments. Um, This movie, I had, this was another movie I was so happy I got to see in theaters because I just had so much fun watching it. Mm -hmm. Like it's, it is a little grotesque and it, 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 I can, I can kind of see where they want to come from with the horror classification. I still don't think it works. Um, I think it's definitely more thrillery, um, but I think it's just incredibly entertaining. Um, and even like, I love Ray Fiennes, but the performance I actually loved the most was Hong Chow, who was uh, kind of his like right hand. Yeah, God, right on. She was absolutely spectacular in this movie. Two awesome roles for her this year. Oh, it's in, two in incredible two roles for her. Seen. Yeah, she had a, she's had an amazing year and she's going to continue to do fantastic things. I, sh- I had a blast. She has a couple of lines that I, st- I like, I will say in my brain occasionally because it was just, her delivery was so fantastic. Um, so yeah, I gave it a four. I thought it was a lot of fun. And yeah, I think if you've got, if you've got a spare time, you want to watch something that's just kind of what the fuck did I just watch? You should put the menu on. Yeah. I, uh, I, if you go on Letterboxd and look up sort of the rating distribution, like you can look at the bar graph of, everybody's scores it's got like a three and a half average but the distribution is like it's all three and a halfs and fours and then it's just like (laughs) nothing on either side it's not very it's not a very controversial movie it's not excellent and i don't mean that to say that's bad i mean literally like it's not an all-time great film in basically any respect um but it's just entertaining enough just thought provoking enough and the performances are just good enough that i think just about anybody could be entertained by it so it's a it's a four for me and uh and that's that's what i've been watching that's the whole the whole ball of wax all right jordan what have you been watching all right so i'm also going to talk i have two 2022 movies and a 1991 movie i'm clearly prepping for some lists here yeah um uh, so i'm going to start with uh one of the 2022 movies um i want to talk about this movie mainly because since it ended, I haven't been able to stop thinking about it. I don't know a single person personally who has watched it. So I just think I need to talk about it. And maybe it'll leave my brain at some point. Um, and that is the previously mentioned, we've talked about slightly today, um, After Sun. Mm. Uh, so I watched this a couple weeks ago um, as I'm going through kind of my Oscar watch list um, to see how Paul Mescal is in this movie. Um, so the plot of this is essentially Sophie... His daughter uh, reflects on the shared joy and private melancholy of a holiday she took with her father 20 years earlier. Memories real and imagined fill the gaps as she tries to reconcile the father she knew with the man she didn't. Uh, This movie was one of those sort of simple, quiet, subdued, yet incredibly meaningful and powerful movies. Um, There's really no big cast outside of the father and the daughter. 
um it's kind of a reminds me of movies kind of like good luck to you leo grand where you know the the environment as it's a small environment small cast it's really just a character study on these two people trying to figure themselves out kind of um this movie absolutely broke me when it ended um and i mean you both know me pretty well to know that it doesn't take a lot for me to cry in a movie. Uh, I cry pretty easily. Uh, that being said, it is not very common for me to be crying 20 minutes after I finished a movie. Um, I don't find that they stick with me that much when it ends. Um, but when the credits rolled, I, I couldn't stop thinking about where this movie started and where this movie ended and how everything weaved in together. Um, so, like, as the synopsis said, it's about, it's, you know, the story is this woman is recounting a vacation she took with her father uh, when she was a kid and, you know, trying to, I guess, make sense of what happened. Um, and the whole time you're watching this movie, there's sort of this, like, overarching sense of dread, but you can't quite figure out why. And then the very end just absolutely hits you like a ton of bricks. Uh, I was so impressed with Paul Mescal's performance. Um, I really think if you're trying to get the Oscar watch list under your belt um, to definitely add this to your list because uh, he is phenomenal and you'll see exactly why he deserves the his best picture or his best actor uh, nomination. Um, yeah, I couldn't, I haven't been able to stop thinking about it. It's a fantastic story about this relationship between a father and a daughter and how, you know, sometimes those relationships aren't always enough um yeah i don't i'm not going to say i'm not going to go too too much into it because i think you guys should just watch it um but you know it's it's just one of those movies that really it's going to sit it'll it'll sit with you long after the credits roll um i have given it a four on letterboxd for now i think if i can ever get the uh, willpower to put it on my tv and go through that again i could probably give it a five um i just um you know i think i need to i need i need some time i'm not like ready to like have another chat with my therapist about it or anything like that so <laughs> it'll come eventually but um it was fantastic i definitely think if it's on your radar you should try and get to it before the oscars yeah i mean i'll like I said, I haven't seen it, so I really can't add that much to it. But a 4.3 on Letterboxd, a 95 Metascore, and uh, basically the only person I know other than you, the only person I know personally other than you who has seen it is my friend Ian, who I also have on Letterboxd, and uh, he gave it a 5 himself as well. So I think the only two people I know who have seen this movie both loved it, and all the people that I don't know who have seen this movie have loved it. <laughs> so it just seems like... Seems like people love it. <laughs> Seems like I should definitely go check it out. Um, I see that it's on uh, rentable on Cineplex, rentable on YouTube, rentable on Amazon Video. Um, yeah, I think yeah, I maybe used, I'll, I'll try to get it done by uh, by the end of the year here. Yeah, I used a free rental on it from from Cineplex, and honestly, I would probably buy it hmm. happily. Like, I don't own very many movies anymore. I haven't bought a movie in a really long time, but this is one I would probably want to keep in my collection. So. This is <clears throat> this has been on my radar for months, and I used my free rental on it for Cineplex. I have eleven more days to watch it. <laughs> oh, Manny, I Manny, you're am... you're gonna love it, 
but oh, you're going to cry. <laughs> yeah, I'm super excited to watch it. I just know that I need to be in a certain type of mood. You absolutely and, do. And I know that it's going to wreck me. Yeah. And I'm both excited and dreading that moment. Uh, I'm super, super excited to watch this movie. Yeah, I, I will say that this is not a movie that you just like put on because you want to watch a movie. Like this is one that you should probably like. You need to be in a, you need to be in like a a a good mindset about it so that it doesn't you know bring you lower than you should be. <laughs> yep. Um. So that's all I'm going to say about After Sun. Uh. The next one I'm going to talk about is the last 1991 movie I watched, uh, which was My Own Private Idaho. Oh, um. <laughs> which I know Manny absolutely loved. Um, so the plot and uh, this loose adaptation, and I say loose very, very strongly, this loose adaptation of Shakespeare's Henry IV. Um, Mike Waters is a gay afflicted, gay hustler afflicted with narcolepsy. Scott Favor is the rebellious son of a mayor. Together, the two travel from Portland, Oregon to Idaho and finally to the coast of Italy in a quest to find Mike's estranged mother. Along the way, they turn tricks for money and drugs, eventually attracting the attention of a wealthy benefactor and sexual deviant. What a great description of a movie that came out in the 1990s. Um, this was on my radar for a few reasons. Uh, one, it's gay. Two, it's a Shakespeare adaptation. And three, it's a River Phoenix movie I haven't seen. Um, this movie stars Phoenix River, Keanu Reeves playing the two main, uh, main characters. Um, they do... They have great, great chemistry in this movie. Um, Keanu Reeves plays his role really well. He's kind of, he's kind of like a, you know, rich, rich boy who wants to hang out with the degenerates. Um, meanwhile, Mike Waters is, you know, your degenerate um, living on the street, um, selling his body. Um, it was very interesting to watch this, knowing that it was a Shakespeare adaptation. Uh, I think what I like about it the most is that it's not like you know it's not the tragedy of Macbeth it's not word for word it's not you know the dialogue isn't all in his you know iambic pentameters like it's it's a modern movie more serious but along the same lines of you know like she's the man or 10 things I hate about you like it's a modern adaptation of a classic story um that doesn't use it uses some dialogue and like you can tell when it is being used from the original Shakespeare play um but even then it does it never feels too out of place. Um, and those are my favorite kind of Shakespeare adaptations, the ones where you don't necessarily know it is until you look it up. Um, but if you do know it, it definitely adds to the story. Um, I was also pretty impressed with how the queer storylines were handled. It was probably, you know, there was uh, one of the least offensive 90s movies about queer people that I've watched in a while. I am looking directly at you crying game last year. That was... Ha, you watched that? Off. I fucking hated that movie. <laughs> I was, I was so angry when that movie ended. I was, I couldn't believe I wasted my time on it. I was pissed. Yeah, nice. um, this is so much better. Um, and I think part of it as well is I really do just adore River Phoenix. Uh, I love watching him on screen. He's so good in this movie as he is in you know anything that he's in. Um, and even Keanu Reeves, who, you know, chops wise isn't isn't the best actor out there, but he plays his role really well. He knows what he's doing. Um, there's one scene in particular um there's a campfire scene that i watched in that movie that was uh beautiful and then afterwards i found out that it was written by river phoenix which was incredible to me um i was really impressed by that it's a beautiful scene it was kind of heartbreaking but it was really well done 
Um, yeah, I don't have too, too, too much to say about this otherwise. Um, I just really enjoyed it. And I also kind of wanted to talk about it because I know Manny didn't like it. So I want him to tell me why. <laughs> I hated this movie. <laughs> no. <laughs> <clears throat> River Phoenix was good. And that's the only good thing I can say about this movie. Whoa. I didn't know it was a Shakespeare adaptation until just as I started it. Uh, I think I was looking something up on IMDb on it, and then it said that, and I was like, uh-oh, not good. I, I, I'm still wrapping my mind around this worldwide phenomenon where I feel like the entire world is pulling a prank on me where people think that Keanu Reeves is a good actor. <laughs> I didn't I, say Keanu Reeves was a good actor. <laughs> uh, he is. I don't think he is, but I think he, he's he's good in in certain roles, and I think this was one that he was able to do well. I'll, I'll take your word for it. <laughs> I found him atrociously bad, as always. I think Keanu Reeves <laughs> is an incredibly gifted physical actor. In, his, in the action movies that he does, he is incredibly gifted. He makes action believable in everything that he does. You know, like, it's undeniable what he does in the John Wick films. It's undeniable what he does in the Matrix films. I would give anything for a good actor to be in those Matrix movies <laughs> instead of him. Like, it would be astounding to watch those movies with somebody that could actually act. That would be fantastic. Don't get me wrong. I don't think he's a good actor. I still love the man. Oh, absolutely. He, th the best acting he's done are in two and a half movies. He's actually really good in Speed, which is shocking. You're yeah. like, wow. You're like, he's actually. I, rem <laughs> I remember watching that and like this dumb action movie <laughs> actually has like the best performance that Keanu Reeves like, has ever given. <laughs> And he uses what Keanu brings, he uses to perfection in the Bill and Ted movies. Mm. Perfection. Yeah. Other than that, a lot of the times I he is actively bad. It's pretty great as Duke Kaboom, though, hey? <laughs> That's voice work. I don't care voice work. <laughs> That's voice work. Um... The other thing working against this movie for me is it's directed by Gus Van Sant. He is not a director that I like. He has made one absolutely fucking incredible movie that is an outlier to every other film he has done. He made Goodwill Hunting. Mm. Everything else he has done, I either actively dislike or is like a three at best. Excuse you, that... Milk is a good movie. Oh, right. Sorry, Milk. Then there's Thank one you. exception. Milk, <laughs> Milk is fantastic. Milk is fantastic, but I don't think the movie itself is good. I think two performances are great. Yeah. The rest of the movie is fine, but there's there's nothing in that movie where you're like, Gus Van Sant, that, that's some brilliant <laughs> direction there. Uh, but Milk is really good. I, went, I, I saw it in the theater with Ray. Um. Hmm. No, not for me. Didn't like it at all, uh, with the exception of River Phoenix, who is great, as it's always. Funny, 
I feel like I was just reading about this movie the other day uh, for reasons totally unrelated to 1991. I think I was I was just going through some of my top of all time lists. You may have noticed on Letterboxd, I started on a few top 10 lists for years that we haven't covered. Like I did a top of 2016 mm-hmm. and top of 2015. Um, and as I was browsing through older years, I just got to think about Gus Van Sant. I'm like, have I seen any other movies from this guy? And I got looking at what other movies of his were critically acclaimed. And this one, this one was really the only other one. My, my own private Idaho was really the only other one that got as high or anywhere near the acclaim that uh, Goodwill Hunting got. Um, because I mean, Goodwill Hunting is my second favorite movie of all time. And I haven't watched any other movies from Gus Van Sant, which seems like, seems like I should rectify that. But none of these films have really led me to believe that they're, they're good enough reasons for me to rectify that. Um, I, yeah, I did watch one of his films in English class in high school in like grade 10. I watched the film Finding Forrester for some yeah. reason. I, I barely remember a thing about it. You seen that one, Manny? Oh yeah. Yep. With Sean Connery. Yep. Am I correct in remembering that it's nothing? It's a nothing film. It's a three yeah, it, best. Yeah. It's like, it's your classic um, old racist white guy learns not to be racist when he befriends a kid from an inner city high school sort of movie. No, like, no, isn't it? No, no, he that's is not, not it? racist. He is not racist. Oh, okay. Nope, not racist. I just assumed because you know Sean Connery. That's a hundred percent fair. <laughs> no, but he is a if I, if I remember correctly, he is a former. Uh, he's a uh, a writer. That has uh, become rec- a, a famous writer has become right. and the inner city kid they somehow make a connection. The inner city kid is good at writing, and Sean Connery helps facilitate that, helps bring it out of him, and 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 they become friends. He is not racist. It's not I'm remember I'm racist. remembering this. I just I just assumed it was like Gran Torino again, <laughs> or like Gran, whatever it is. Gran Torino is a good fucking movie. It is. I like Gran Torino, but it's like that—that that is what it is. Yeah. Oh, yes, it is. Yep. <laughs> anyway, I just—I just always think that trope is funny, but I must be—I uh, must be getting my wires crossed on that one. At any rate, yeah, I have no experience with Gus Van Sant other than him literally making my second favorite movie ever to be made, <laughs> which I think is just an odd—an odd thing that is true. Yeah. Yeah, I'm looking through his filmography right now. I've only seen one other. Um, Besides milk, it's not even a movie. I think it's it's a it's a oh. short series. It's When We Rise, which mm-hmm. again is about gay people. So um, it's actually a really fantastic um, short series. I think it's only like three or four episodes. But um, that's all I've seen from him is is his gay. I've only seen his gay movies in Goodwill Hunting. I've seen yeah. seven or eight, seven or eight of his films. And actually, you know what? I'm just realizing there's one other experience with Gus Van Sant that I have. As an actor, (laughs) Manny already knew. Manny already knew where I was going with that. Uh, As an actor in the 2001 film *Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back*, (laughs) as himself. Oh, he's great in that one scene. Directing *Goodwill Hunting* two, *Hunting Season*. (laughs) Yep. That made me happy. Uh, I am very glad that you that you enjoyed this, Jordan. I I'll be honest. When the movie ended, I'm like, "Why the fuck does Manny hate this movie so much?" I was so confused. I was so fucking bored, bored, bored. Man. Bad act, bad acting. No, not for me. Not for me. 
Fair enough. I don't know. I give this movie a four. It's sad, it's depressing, and gay. So if that's your thing, watch it. <laughs> yeah, hypothetically, that's your thing, right? <laughs> yeah. Kind of a niche audience. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, and then the last movie I wanted to talk about, I actually just squeezed in because I watched it last night. Um, I just kind of wanted... I wanted to watch something I hadn't heard about before. Um, and it also crosses a movie off of my uh, Oscar watch list, um, which is Causeway. Yeah. Uh 2022 um on apple tv or apple plus whatever it's called um yeah brian tyree henry uh it's about a u.s soldier who suffers a traumatic brain injury while fighting in afghanistan and struggles to adjust to life back home in new orleans when she meets local mechanic james the pair begin to form an unexpected bond uh this movie was actually really really good and i'm kind of surprised i hadn't heard more of this um especially for a movie that's so readily available on a streamer um I can see the nomination for Brian Tyree Henry. It's it's another one of those. It's 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 not flashy. It's not loud. It's not like extraordinary. But it's it's subtle. It's subdued. It's it's he's really good. Um, they're both kind of playing people who they're they're they're. It's essentially a movie about two broken people, kind of trying to put each put put themselves together again through the other um it's pretty short too i think it's like no maybe a little over 90 minutes um it's a pretty easy watch it is a little dark it is a little depressing which i think it's just kind of been it's been my theme for the last like month i keep watching these really sad depressing movies um we need to get many movie clubs been kicking my ass like we need to get we really need to get some happiness going um, I'm putting off the next Manny Movie Club movie because fuck, I think it's gonna make me cry. So, oh Jordan, <sighs> don't oh dude, I've stop. seen Beast of No Nation. That's <laughs> no. a problem. I, it's gonna. It's problem. I. Oh. That's why I watched it on Sunday <laughs> to get it out of the way. I just know it's gonna destroy me. I'm like maybe, and I, I I no longer have a perfect record. There's one I haven't watched, so I'm like, do I watch this? I'm gonna I'm gonna. But which one are you uh, missing? Um. Uh, the the fa- a family man the family man the one with Nick Cage I never got oh. to it. Um, that's the only one I've watched every other one. I'll watch it eventually. Um, but yeah, this goes along that same vein of a quiet but powerful uh, short movie with two characters who work incredibly well together. Um, Jennifer Lawrence is the other. Uh, she's the the U.S. soldier with a traumatic brain injury, um, and you, she's the main character. And you start with her, and she's trying to like learn how to 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 do things again. She gets uh, she gets blown up in Afghanistan essentially, and so now she's trying to learn how to exist again in society. And there's a lot of not just like physical stuff she's coming over, but a lot of PTSD, um, and it's. It's just it's really good. I definitely think if you have Apple Plus, um, I would I would add it to your list. It's it's not very long, um, but it's really good. The performances are great. Um, yeah, I don't have too much to say about it. I gave it a four. I gave all these movies a four that I'm talking about. Um, it was it was a it was a really good, sweet, depressing movie. Cool. <laughs> a nice, quiet, subdued performance. The kind of performance Sam and I like to call. The Tom Wilkinson performance. Tom Wilkinson. <laughs> I always forget his name, and I can I can picture the movie. I remember watching that movie, and I'm like, oh, it's his fucking name. I know yeah, in the we watched that movie, right? It's in called, the bedroom. Called in, in the, the bedroom. bedroom. That's right. Yeah. Do you know oh, who directed that, Jordan? Do you remember? In the bedroom. No. Todd Field, the same director of Tar. 
Oh. He can get a lot of different performances out of his uh, his actors. Yeah, he also directed Little Children, which is, I think is the one that got Kate Winslet her Oscar. Does Kate Winslet only have one Oscar? Yes. That's Damn. a fucking travesty. Yes. It's kind of crazy. Yeah, it's stupid. <laughs> oh, wait, no. Maybe she got it for the reader, not Little Children. I could be I can, wrong. I can find out for you if you want. Okay, yeah. While you're looking that up, I'll move on to the movies I watched. Uh, I had a movie. There's a, well, I think it's, if not the most popular movie podcast, it's in the top three, uh, The Rewatchables. Oh. They uh, had a movie a while ago um, that they did an episode on that I own. Yes, sir. Manny, what's your final answer for the movie she won for? I'm going to re. I, I did say it was Little Children. I believe it's for the reader. You are correct. And I will, I will just say she's been nominated one, two, three, four, five, six, seven times, including that Shit. win. Okay. Sense she and Sensibility. For, she, was, she was nominated for Little Children, right? Correct. Sense and Sensibility, Titanic, mm. Iris, Eternal Sunshine, Little Children, mm. The Reader, Steve Jobs. Okay. I, if, I, mm. if you had asked me to, nom- to get, name all of her nominees, I would have gotten all of them except for Iris. Mm. Okay. Um, so they decided to revisit an iconic film that a lot of people know about but probably haven't seen, and that's the 1972 – let's see. What does IMDb list of that? Action drama thriller Deliverance. <sighs> Intent on seeing the Kalahassee River before it's dammed and turned into a lake, outdoor fanatic Lewis Medlock takes his friends on a canoeing trip they'll never forget into the dangerous American back country. I'm assuming neither one of you have seen this. I haven't. Can't even but... say I've actually heard of it. You oh, heard you... of Deliverance? This is a pretty <laughs> famous movie for, for a couple of reasons. Um, I haven't reason. seen I or haven't seen Deliverance. Reason. Yeah, one reason, really. Um, yeah. I, I, I haven't seen it, but this is one that my dad really likes. My da- This is one of my yep. dad's all-time favorite movies. So I've seen, like, pieces of it throughout the years just like from him watching it so i've mm-hmm. seen the the dueling banjos scene i've seen oh, right. sorry two that's is two then there's two yeah. famous parts uh i've seen the other famous scene and yep. then i've seen a couple of big spoilery moments later on in the movie so like okay i know basically the entire plot of deliverance but i've never actually watched a front to back okay this movie is the movie that catapulted burt reynolds into superstardom and uh jordan if you're looking for a kind of an action movie that does things very differently. This movie does things way differently than what we're used to nowadays, and it was one of the reasons that I enjoyed this movie so much. So just to jump ahead, this got a four out of five for me. Uh, I had seen this before, but I really wanted to revisit it before I listened to that episode. And uh, I would say, Jordan, if you if you're interested in watching like a, a a really good action movie from the 70s, this is definitely a good one to go and go in blind because the less you know about the second famous scene, the Dueling Banjos is iconic, but the second, the, the reason that this movie is famous is before there's one scene, but it is a bit of a spoiler. And if you go in not knowing it, <laughs> maybe, <laughs> oh, I, can't, I can't even imagine. I, I would love to be sitting next to you as that scene starts to unfold. Uh-oh, Okay. <laughs> Uh, let's just say for a 50 year old movie it 
it's shocking what was what was allowed in the movie 50 years ago <laughs> it I, I had forgotten how long that scene goes on for uh it was longer than i remember and it was um it was harrowing harrowing huh. harrowing um but one of the reasons th- and this isn't much of a spoiler jordan but it might be an idea to entice you is after they run into this mm, let's say the, the film's opposition we'll put it that way you're expecting there's one scene with the opposition uh there's another scene and then because of the way that they make movies nowadays you're expecting more down the line where that's not what the rest of the movie's about the rest of the movie is about them living with the repercussions of the actions they did in the early part of the movie Hmm. and it's really different to watch that kind of film this is an action movie that thinks about and explores the ideas of trying to live with the things that you did during an action movie interesting i like that i would watch that this was nominated for best picture that year oh shit uh best picture best director and i think there was one other nomination would this bit of it this would have been same year as the godfather yeah that's what it lost yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah Uh, the one thing as well is, uh, the other kind of cool thing is there, the movie is about them canoeing down a river. Um, this is before any of these actors were famous. Uh, John Voight had been in Midnight Cowboy prior Mm -hmm. to this. Uh, this was Ned Beatty's first film. Uh, and Ronnie Cox, who is in it might be a little too old for you guys, but he was in a lot of movies in the eighties. Uh, Beverly Hills Cop and RoboCop. Um, the funny thing is, is that all four of them actually did the canoeing down the rapids. <laughs> and wow. there was no insurance on any of them because the movie studio didn't care about any of them. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> wow, could you imagine? <laughs> yeah. Those names so, today? Damn. Um, watching them actually traverse the rapids was kind of cool. Uh the rapids that they go through aren't like you can watch people take care of some pretty nastier rapids on YouTube, but the fact that your four movie stars are the ones doing it uh, is kind of fun. Um, the movie is thoroughly enjoyable. I gave it a four out of five. It's if you're looking for something to try something different, com- like to watch what people would consider an action movie back in the early 70s as to what we have now uh, was a lot of fun because they they just handle things way differently. Um, I, I had a really good time with this and uh, I would love I would love for Jordan to watch this without knowing about the second famous scene. You keep calling it the second famous scene. Really, it's the first famous scene. Well, this is the first famous, but the, the dueling banjos happens within like the first five minutes. Yeah, that's right. Uh, it, it's literally after the credits stop, the yeah. dueling banjos, which is, which is the second most famous scene from this movie. But the first chronologically. But the first chronologically in right, the film. I feel you. I feel you. Yeah. No, it's... <laughs> It's on my watch list, so okay. I'll see if I can uh, get you, myself to watch it. If you ever do, yeah. If you could give me a little heads up, I would <laughs> do. A, I would do a watch along with you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, 
All right, one, I'll let you know when I'm on it. <laughs> one like 100% because I, I I want the reactions the 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 in time reactions. Okay. You got um, it. And the other movie I wanted to talk about was one of my movies I wanted to knock off for 2022, and I specifically wanted to talk about it because both of you are on here tonight, uh, and that is one of the movies that was nominated for Best Animated Feature, Marcel the Shell with Shoes On. <laughs> uh, this <laughs> Sorry, I love this movie so much. <laughs> This movie uh, was on my uh, oh, wanted to watch list uh, already. Um, after, I'm pretty sure Jordan saw it first. Oh, I saw it months ago. It was in yeah, theaters in right. Calgary in like June or July. So I I I watched a while ago. Yeah, uh, her glowing recommendation uh, had me looking forward to it, and then Sam watched it, and he had a glowing recommendation for it. Uh, so I was excited to watch it. So before we dive into it. Uh, this is the feature adaptation of the animated short film interviewing a mollusk named Marcel. Now, I had no uh, experience watching uh, Marcel the Shell with Shoes On, uh, the mm. YouTube series. Uh, I'd seen it. I can't remember where I saw a trailer for this somewhere. can't remember. And I was like, that's odd. What a, <laughs> uh, an, an odd idea for a film. Again, not knowing it was a YouTube series. And I was like, okay, interesting. And then some podcasts I listened to talked about how good it was. And then Jordan was all excited uh, over how good it was. Sam was excited about uh, how good it was. So when I saw this uh, went on sale on iTunes about hmm, maybe three months ago uh, for five bucks, I was like, well, I'm going to be watching it anyway. So I might as well buy it because that's the same price as a rental. Kept putting it off, kept putting it off. Finally watched it. And this is one of the most incredible movies I've watched this year. <laughs> this is the cinematic equivalent of Ted Lasso. This movie is... It's a great... Yeah. Yeah. This movie is all about positivity. It's all about building a family. It's all about building yourself and the people around you up. It's about making yourself feel good but at the same time dealing with some pretty dark and deep emotional shit. Um, I couldn't believe what I was watching. I couldn't believe how much I was laughing. And I, oh, it's, the, I just want to quickly do this. It's a 95th Oscars this year, right? Yeah, that's right. Okay, one quick second, because I believe it is a absolutely fucking travesty. This didn't get a cinematography nomination. Hmm. Oh, good call. That one, okay, beautiful. I've I've seen three of the five cinematography noms, and I can kick off one of them in a fucking heartbeat, and that's Elvis. <laughs> Elvis can fuck right off, <laughs> and this movie should be in there. Some of the shots in this uh. movie were exquisite. I could not believe how great this movie looked for something like this. Um, this movie had literally no business being this beautifully filmed. Uh, and it was. Last thing I'll say before I pass it on to you guys, uh, I was having such a good time, and I did not realize how emotionally invested I was in this movie <laughs> until the big emotional moment happened, and I was crying my eyes out. Yeah. I'm getting emotional right you're, now you're thinking about this about movie. <laughs> 
crying my eyes out. You're, you're talking no, not about the sad emotional moment, but the happy emotional moment. I'm talking, yeah, I'm talking about the uh, the final sock drawer moment. I'll say yeah, that. Yeah, totally. <laughs> I lost my shit. Completely <laughs> lost my shit, and I was completely taken off guard by that. I was having a good time, but I did not realize that this movie was going to affect me that way. And I cannot heap enough praise on this movie. Hey, guys, you know why I smile a lot? Because it's worth it. (laughs) That's got to be my favorite line of this movie. You know why I smile a lot? Because it's worth it. (laughs) So damn cute. Yeah, she's literally crying. (laughs) Every time I think about this movie, I get, like, teary-eyed. I'm like, this is so stupid. (laughs) Yeah, it's a... a, Oh, man. It's a beautiful movie. It really is. I... Um, I Manny, I'm so happy that you like this movie this much, and I I can't even say I'm surprised that you did. I full disclosure when I watched this movie, I gave it a four. I can say with honesty that when I gave it a four, I was afraid to give it a five. Like that's just me being a hundred percent honest. It was me doubting myself and my own emotions and just like judging myself. I'm like. This cute movie about a shell can't be a five, can it? No, it's it's probably a four, and I just don't like. The more I think about it, it's it's a five. It's a great movie. It's so emotionally resonant. There's so many scenes in the movie. Like, I really came away from the movie with a message of loneliness and of hope. Uh, Marcel is just one of the most profoundly lonely things in existence, um, but manages to be hopeful throughout it. Um, and watching that is great. But even then, you see you see the cracks. You see that hope fade away for like a second at a time. One of there's one scene where um, I can't remember the uh, the documentarian's name. Um, Daniel. But, yeah, the two of them go on a drive to go see the city, and he's like, "So this this is just like one city of a lot." And he's like, "Yeah, there's like a lot of cities in the world," and he's just silent, like doesn't say a single thing, and you can just feel his tiny little heartbreak <laughs> in that moment before getting right back on. You're like, okay, well, and then she just accepts it and just, and just moves on. Um, he's such an interesting character, Marcel. And so um, shamelessly optimistic, which I mean, for Oscar movies, isn't always the case. Often they're a little more bleak, which has its place too, but this is just a, a stupidly optimistic movie in a good way. It really is. And I honestly wish I just look back at my logbook. So I haven't seen this since August. Um, so I'll say some of like the specific scenes um, are definitely a little, a little fuzzy. Um, I'm going to have to rewatch this again soon, I think. Um, but I remember more vividly like watching this in, in this, like my experience in the theater. Um, so it was only playing at that one shitty theater in downtown. The the one that we used to go to was that's like super old and has like the terrible seats and stuff. Um, and uh I was the only one there. It was like two o'clock in the afternoon on a Saturday. uh, And I made like a weird impulsive decision to just go see it. And I'm sitting there in the theater. There's no one around me. And I have like, by the end of the movie, I am like in like full breakdown, bawling my (laughs) eyes out mode. And I'm just like, thank God there's not a human around me. Cause this would be so embarrassing. Cause I'm just crying over this fucking shell that has fucking shoes on. (laughs) But like, you're so right. He was just, such an interesting character and such an interesting kind of vessel to tell this kind of story through that it's just this 
this tiny little guy experiencing the, the the big big world around him and what i think i loved the most as well was all like the the ingenuities on how like him and his family like existed in the world and all of like their little their little setups and like their little garden and everything i was like this is the fucking cutest thing i've ever seen like how do people not like this movie like i'm looking at the uh i'm looking at the like the the rating on letterboxd, on letterboxd. yeah and Again, this is another one where almost every single rating is above a four. But I'm looking at these like, how did 267 people give this a one star rating? Like, who hurt you? Should, you? <laughs> you should. Well, what I've done a couple times on movies that I love is I'll go into the review section and find a bad review and read them <laughs> to see what they think. And I can't remember. I did that recently for a movie in this. Oh, it was a movie I fucking love. I wish I could remember. I might take a look at my diary. And he wrote he wrote a really good review on it on why it was bad and all the points he made were valid and i started getting even angrier <laughs> i'm like damn it that's a good point but fuck you it's a good movie <laughs> <laughs> oh man i'm reading some of these and i'm just like chill out like someone gave a one-star review and said people sure love anthropomorphic shit i'm like yes we do fuck off <laughs> oh what's the like problem shit. i remember the movie now he gave it two stars Casablanca. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. cool. he's just trying to be different. That's all. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck no, this movie was just so sweet, and it's just such a it's a pure sweet movie where the antagonist is just the nicest, op- most optimistic, caring, just genuinely good character. You don't get genuinely good characters in anything anymore. Everybody's got some scary shit in the closet somewhere doing something um but not this not this tiny little shell with his giant eye and his tiny little shoes fuck this movie is so cute i need to rewatch it because i need to remember more specifics on it but i'm reading more i'm reading more letterboxd reviews right now and this one's just a two-line review for five stars it says what if everything changes it will Oh man! Oh fuck! I I already want to rewatch this. It's uh, yeah. hour and a half long. I already, I already want to rewatch this fucking movie. It's brilliant. I think this is another one I would like to own because it's just such an easy one to just like. I bet it's like just pop on in, have a good time. Yep. Like, it's just so easy. God, I found I a I found a two and a half star review for uh, Marcel. Really? Yeah. It says cute, but not much else other than that. Oh, what the fuck Dis- else do you hard want? disagree. <laughs> that review doesn't make any sense all right yeah it it's an absolutely brilliant film oh damn it i found a one star but it's in another language looks like french (laughs) man you can leave them stupid french stupid french (laughs) probably quebecer (laughs) nice Sam, did you watch the YouTube videos of this ever? No, I had no yeah. previous experience with this at all. I didn't think I had before watching the movie. And then as I was watching the movie, I'm like, I think I've at least seen one of these before. Yeah, Some like it was familiar. When I, when I say I had no previous experience, I'm pretty sure, like, I, I still don't really know. I haven't researched yeah. it since. But I'm pretty sure that Marcel the Shell was like an early, early YouTube uh, yeah, like viral sort of situation. That's my understanding, but yeah, I for all intents and purposes, I had no real connection to it. I was just going in, watching a cute movie about a shell. 
That was so cute. That was it. <laughs> and I'm so sad because I don't even know if it's going to win Best Animated Feature, and I'm so angry it's not. about it. It's not. <laughs> I know. It makes me so upset. I love Pinocchio. Don't get me wrong. And Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio, obviously. I don't even want to think about I haven't watched the other one. I won't. Um, I liked it. It was great. And it also, I cried at that one, too. Um, what? Yeah. <laughs> Manny, I'm, I'm so easy. I have cried at almost every movie we've talked about today, okay? Chill. Sorry, I watched, I, I just watched <laughs> Manny scream what and Jordan like visibly jump backward in her chair from a province away. That was great. I enjoyed before all of we that. Get to, before we get to Beauty and the Beast, can you please tell me what part of Pinocchio made you cry? It was the ending. Um, I can't even tell you specifically what it was. Just as the ending was ramping up, I was just getting really emotional. And then as, I don't want to spoil anything, but it was like the last, the the, the last little bit. Pinocchio. Like, what could you possibly spoil? Well, like, I don't know. I don't want people to like, people haven't seen it. It's fucking Pinocchio. (laughs) People still might not have seen it. We're not discussing Pinocchio. (laughs) The ending broke me a little bit. I didn't like it. That's all. You didn't like it. No. Damn. No. I'm not a Del Toro fan. Fair. I I like visually stunning. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Story wise, (laughs) thanks. You don't need to. You don't need to add fascism into a Pinocchio story. Oh, see, I loved the fascism. (laughs) Not for me. That's what. That's what's gonna win best Uh, animated feature. It is gonna win. I'm just really sad about it. Yeah. I've seen all the I've seen all the best animated feature films now. I think I have two. That'd be number four. Oh, I have. There's one I haven't seen. Which one? I haven't seen Puss in Boots yet, which I need to. I keep hearing fantastic things about it, and I'm confused, so I'm gonna watch it. But Jordan, I'll tell you this right now, (laughs) Jordan, it's really good. The main villain in that movie is right now the front runner for best villain of the year for me going to next year's like and i don't know who's going to be able to knock it off it is unfucking real how great that villain is All right. best 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 villain i've seen in a long time that's crazy yeah I, I was stunned as the movie kept going i'm like holy fuck this guy's really fucking awesome that's hilarious yeah and the yeah, actor, no. the actor who uh, voices him is uh, the guy that played uh, shit, the main drug dealer in Narcos, Pablo Wagner. I, or Pablo Wagner. Why can't I remember the fucking greatest drug dealer of all time? <laughs> I have no idea. Escobar, Jesus, Pablo Escobar. Oh, oh I thought you were about. I thought you were talking about in TV. I'm like, okay, Mister Breaking Bad, slut. <laughs> No, no, in real, yeah, no, he played oh, Pablo, Pablo Escobar in Narcos. Um, yeah, no, yeah. this is on. It's on my watch list. My my Oscar watch list is really small now. I don't have much left, so. Yeah, I got some. All right, we had a bunch of tangents there. I got angry. <laughs> Let's talk about something that makes us happy again, and that is a Beauty and the Beast, uh, released November twenty second, nineteen ninety one. Directed by Gary Truesdale and Kirk Wise. Written by Linda Wolverton, Brenda Chapman, and Chris Sanders. Starring Paige O'Hara, Robbie Benson, Richard White, and Angela Lansbury. Has a meta score of, holy fuck, 95. A letterbox score, though, of only 3.9. That's unfortunate. Shocker. 
Uh, it won two Oscars uh, for Best Original Song, Beauty and the Beast, as well as Best Original Score, and had six nominations total for the aforementioned Best Original Song and Best Original Score, as well as Best Picture, Best Sound, Best Original Song for Belle, and Best Original Song for Be Our Guest. Had a budget of $25 million. It grossed 218 in the U.S., making it the third highest grossing film of the year, and 424 worldwide. Uh, plot. A prince cursed to spend his days as a hideous monster sets out to regain his humanity by earning a young woman's love. Sam, start us off here with your spoiler-free discussion on Beauty and the Beast. Beauty and the Beast. Uh, so, I'll start with my emotional connection to the movie from childhood, which is to say there is none. I, I, this is not a movie I grew up on, even though, uh, this came out in 91. I was born in 96. Um, I, this is not one that made its way into the rotation for my family. Um, the first time I remember watching this as an adult, uh, was with Jordan, uh, when we were in, uh, during, during the pandemic, we watched this movie. Um, you're looking like you're struggling. I forgot that that was your first, no, I remember watching with you. I, I vaguely remember that I forgot that that like, was your first. I don't want to give you the impression it was my first watch ever, but like the but last like, time I watched it, I would have been four, small. five, six yeah. years old. Um, so it's the first watch that I had of it where I actually remembered it. And to add to that, because um, I'm sure this won't be the first time this gets brought up tonight, um, I have not seen a live action remake. So I'm just going to throw that what? out there, right? Yeah, I haven't seen it. Manny's shocked because <laughs> he loves it. Loves that movie. <laughs> Oh yeah, he loves it so much. Yeah. Um so yeah, Let's this talk about this, that instead. This film doesn't have the advantages of some other Disney movies where it's like bolstered by my preconceived notions of it and my love of it from childhood per se. Um so many parts of this movie are iconic. Um the score even even disregarding the musical numbers which are mostly really good, um the score in between is also excellent. Um Manny and I, I mean, we try not to talk about the movies too much in advance, but something we agreed on when we were just getting set up here is forgot how much of a musical this is, like how much of a straight up musical this is. There's very little straight up dialogue in this movie, it feels like. And a lot of, a lot of songs, a lot of musical numbers. Um, the animation with it being, what is that, 32 years old? Still great. Still really good for the most part. Um, I think all of it looks looks really good. Songs are fun. The minor characters are fun. The other, uh, the other... Uh, beings in the castle are all really good. Um, this is where I'm going to start getting into the negative, uh, the stuff that I don't really enjoy about this. Uh, <laughs> you both just perked up a little bit. <laughs> I, I have the floor. This is great. <laughs> um, the romance between Belle and the Beast just does not speak to me at all. Like, like really at all. It feels like this big, iconic romance. Um, this One of these great romances from Disney 2D history. A 94, 95 Metascore. One of the greatest 2D films ever. It was in the conversation for Best Picture before that ever happened with animated movies. And it's just like, it's like, what's the big deal? Like, the romance is... Like, I know it's based off a fairy tale, so I, and it's a kid's movie, but, like, with all that praise, I feel like I can read into it on a serious level. But, like, not only is it not the most earned thing in the world, it's, like, borderline fucking toxic. <laughs> the, all, the, all the yelling and growling, the fact that he imprisons her, he's got a spy mirror that, like, lets him watch her when he's not around. Like, this is so controlling and toxic. And then he just has, like, one montage where he's like, oh, I'm kind of polite now. And then they just fall in love. It's so weird. 
<laughs> and I can't believe more people aren't talking about that. And it doesn't work for me. It really doesn't. Um, <laughs> so that is my non-spoiler review of Beauty and the Beast. I mostly have a really good time with this movie. And I mostly try to not take it too seriously because it is a kid's movie. But at the same time, this is this is our podcast. And we take movies seriously. So I'm taking it seriously. And I got to say that aspect of the movie doesn't hold up as well. That's just my honest opinion. Sure. That's silence. You hear that? That is dead silence from the two people who have microphones <laughs> on the show. That's great. I don't know. I don't even know who I'm passing it off to, but this this should be interesting. Um, Jordan, go ahead. I've I've um I have a very opposite uh, relationship with this movie. I know you do. Um, <laughs> you do know I do. You know how much I've watched this. Um. You know how there are movies out there that you watched before you even knew how to remember, and it became a part of you without really knowing how it happened. It's just a thing that you've lived with your whole life. That is Beauty and the Beast for me. It is one of my, I call building block movies. Um, I wish I could remember the first time I watched this. And I wish I could watch it for the first time again. Um, it has been ingrained in my brain for as long as I've known it. Um, I also was lucky this was one of my mom's favorite movies. So I never had, you know, I was never out of opportunities to watch it. Um, she always had it on. We watched it together. Uh, we'd like, it's it's a thing that we bond over. And I, I absolutely love that movie. Um, it's had a bit of an impact. Um, I like to think that this movie has a lot to do with my love of reading as well as book collecting. I mean, you know. I own, I counted recently, I own 679 books. Um, you can always catch me with a book, you know, wherever I am, you know, watching the scenes between her talking about how much she loves the book that she gets with the bookstore owner at the beginning of the movie to that library scene in the castle. Oh, I grew up wanting to live in Belle's shoes. Um, I even have a couple of beautiful editions of the book Beauty and the Beast haven't read it yet um i'm a little worried about it because i know it's you know it's older it's not the movie at all um so i'm nervous oh, to read it oh, i'll get the, there it's the, it's the original story yeah yeah okay yeah i have like a couple beautiful editions of it i just don't know if i can actually bring myself to read it uh, one day like i say with all my books one day um you know this there's also a lot of themes i think in this in this movie that have stuck with me you know understanding the person within doesn't always match what we look like on the outside wanting to be a better version of yourself to help you realize you deserve the company you have um and that you can be yourself regardless of how that fits into the standard of societal norms uh this movie taught me that it's okay to be smart and independent while also finding love and comfort in those around you um this is one of my comfort movies which sam can attest to i'm sure he's walked in he always to walk in i'd be watching it randomly singing along to it i don't even need to watch it i just put it on as background noise and i'm watching it in my head anyway um it's my second favorite movie of all time uh so we've now hit my top three i do believe uh so that's kind of fun um this is my comfort movie i watch it all the time and um besides being mad at sam for criticizing it i'm excited to dig deeper into it <laughs> Manny, you're the you're the tiebreaker. <laughs> you're you're the rubber. What's up? 
Uh, this is one of my most hated movies of all time. Yes! <laughs> oh, no, Jordan, I was just kidding. I, just, I, did, I did that for the reaction. I did that for the reaction. I was, oh my god. I don't know if I you can tell, but I kind of. For a second. I froze. I was she, like, he did not just say those completely, words. Completely froze. That was, that was worth it. In reality, though, like, real talk before you get into it, the fir- the live action Beauty and the Beast, the first ever episode of this podcast, you shat all over that movie. <laughs> Oh yeah, the live action Beauty and the Beast was my was my first ever sample winner for worst picture of the year. The the live action remake of this is complete and utter dog shit. Um, this movie I did not see in theaters. Uh, when this came out, I would have been fifteen, turning sixteen, and I would have caught this probably the year after. The this was just the second film in the Disney Renaissance after um, Little Mermaid reinvigorated the animations uh, section of Disney. Uh, this came along and really um, threw it back up, obviously with its being the first ever animated film to receive a Best Picture nomination. Uh, and then followed next year by Aladdin and then the year after. That, yeah, 94 is Lion King as well, right? Yeah, I'm pretty sure it is. If not, it's 95. Uh, so... I watched this at home and thought it was thought it was pretty good. I hadn't fully invested into the Academy Awards at this age. So the I don't think it even really registered with me that it was nominated for best picture that year. The thing I always did enjoy were most of the musical numbers. Uh and other than that, I always thought the movie was entertaining, but not for, for me, not upper echelon animated or Di- or Disney f- for me. I could understand the the praise it was receiving when it was the first film to fully integrate CGI, and that's one of the reasons. Not that it fully integrated CGI is the reason it got nominated for Best Picture, but because they could do because they integrated CGI, it allowed them to move the camera in ways that an animated film never had before. With other animated films, because you had to draw everything, you could either zoom in or pan the camera. In this one, the camera moves around the same way it almost does in a regular film, uh, with obviously the the ballroom scene being the highlight of that type of camera movement. This movie is a technical marvel for its time. Uh, on this rewatch, I was kind of surprised at how much I found I didn't enjoy the look of the animation. Not that it has to look photorealistic like a lot of CGI does now, but I just, well, obviously I'd watched Aladdin um, for our 92, and I think I'd rewatched something something else uh, another anime film recently uh, from the 90s uh, and i'm not thinking of five goes west because that was a fucking waste of my time <laughs> um maybe it was maybe it was the first american tale which was actually pretty good either way i just found something maybe just a little off-putting about the the way the care some of the characters were drawn spe- i think it was specifically a lot of times bell and and gaston uh, at times when they were, when the camera was moving around on them, their face seemed to kind of warp a little. I don't know. Something just threw me off. 
did not take away from my enjoyment of the film. But like Sam mentioned, because him and I talked about it off air earlier, I'd forgotten how much of a musical this was. Uh, it feels like over half the movie is a musical number, uh, which isn't a bad thing. It just was surprising for me to discover that again. The songs are some of the most iconic in Disney's storied franchise. Uh, it was really enjoyable to hear a lot of them again. Uh, this movie is thoroughly entertaining. Touching upon Sam's problems of the toxic romance, fucking millennials, everything <laughs> picked perfect. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> It's a fucking animated film. <laughs> what am I supposed to do? Not take it seriously? <laughs> take it as seriously. Give want. it a pass? I don't, you have to fucking break it down like that. Is it? You watching this? You're like, I can't believe that bitch is into him. What a she? He's well, such you, a dick. Like anyways, real, re, real talk though, man. Real talk. Like it, it is part of like the process of rating movies that like it needs to it needs to make sense within itself. You know, like, the fact that she's dating a beast doesn't bother me. Like, I'm not sitting here saying that, like, she can't she can't date him because it's bestiality or whatever. I'm saying, like, they need to have chemistry. They need. I need to believe that they fall in love, and I don't believe it. Oh, I was just, I'm just bugging you. Yeah, the, I know you are, and it's working. <laughs> I know, I know. Um, the, it, it is supposed to be a romance, and they do, uh, air quotes, they do fall in love very quickly. And I had no problem believing it because I was enjoying the movie so much. The The quick turnaround from not being in love to being in love, I can understand having problems with it. But uh, for me, it was not really much of a question. Um, the only questions I have about the film we could probably get into when we get into spoilers, which sounds like we should probably get doing right now. Jordan, why don't you take us into spoilers? For Beauty and the Beast. All right. Well, if you haven't seen this movie by now, I don't have any fun quips for you. I just feel sorry for you. Um, so we're about to spoil Beauty and the Beast in three, two, one. Go fuck yourselves. All right. Time to discuss some notable scenes. Sammy, my boy, Mr. Negativity, why don't you yeah. start us off here <laughs> with your first notable scene? I feel like it's rare that I'm on the negative side of a movie. It's It's good to be the heel every now and again, you know? I feel like, especially when I'm on, I feel like you and I usually have very similar tastes in totally. movies. Usually, I mean, usually we it's going, Manny. Yeah, we were going through that list of uh, of all the episodes you've been on before, and I think I like all of, especially the ones that uh, we were both on together. You filled in for me yeah. on a few, but as far as the ones we were both on, I think I at least like all of those movies. Yeah. Most of them I love. Um, I think so. But yeah, anyway. Um, yeah, why not? I'll start right at the beginning, uh, or not right at the beginning. I'm going to skip the opening narration and go with, uh, is the song just called Bonjour? Is that, the, or is it's it called, called Bell? It's called, called Bell. Bell? Yeah, okay. Yeah. I had seen uh, a couple different names. Um, but yeah, like, this is, a, this is a good song. It's not one of my favorites in the entire movie. It's catchy. Um, the animation is fun throughout establishing the town and establishing the different people and their, and their, um, What's the word that I'm looking for? Their motivations. Uh, you get the introductions of Belle and Gaston in this scene, kind of our two main players outside of the Beast. Um, like, this is maybe one of the one of the other problems that I have is like this movie is so a product of its time and it's a product of its source material. 
that like the character of Belle kind of stops short of being interesting to me precisely because it's 32 years ago and 32 years ago Hollywood's idea of an interesting female character was whoa she reads she's different nope know what when we get into a scene down the line I'm gonna completely shoot down your idea of that okay fair enough but yeah like jokes aside opening scene is is certainly fun enough establishes the characters in in a meaningful way and uh gets the ball rolling I really like a lot of like the I think what I like most about this song are all of like the little, you know, the little side, all the little townspeople's little yeah, the lines tiny of character like, moments on the side. Yeah, like you know the 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 cheating was a bread seller when she's like, "How is your wife?" or the the what the like mother exclaiming that she needs six eggs. Like I just find some of those things just like cute, quaint, entertaining. Sets up the town perfectly that they don't really have any actual issues going on. Um, they they just need eggs. They're you know. I just think it's absolutely adorable. Um, I do also like how it kind of sets up Belle um, and how she relates to other people in that she really doesn't. Um, she doesn't have any friends. Uh, the only person she likes in this town is her father. Um, and she's being harassed by this annoying man who is absolute garbage. I have three notes on this scene. I'm glad that Sam picked this one so I can knock this one off. Uh, my first note. Uh, a heroine who is into books, shocker that Jordan likes this movie. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, wow. Who, like I said, I, it, it, it more so shaped me than I fell for it. I've been, you know, I think it, it, it definitely had more of an impact on me than I fell into it. Uh, and my next note is uh, we meet Gaston, a narcissist. Is it Andy Wonder? I like him. <laughs> He's a great character, man. He's such a piece of shit. And my last note, and I'm not even lying, it always fucking bugs me that she lets that sheep eat a piece of paper off of me that. Me too. I fucking anno- I was like, are you kidding me? That sheep was getting a fucking fistful of fist. I just a fucking pop right in the fucking kisser if you start trying to eat my book. And I don't even like books that much. But I equivalent <coughs> I equivalent her love of books to my love of Blu-rays and DVDs. And if a sheep tried to eat one of my fucking Blu-rays, we're having lamb chops for dinner. <laughs> Jesus, Let's go. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm kidding. I mean, I'm kind of with you. I, I I wouldn't kill the lamb, but I would I'd be very upset if a lamb tried to eat part of my book. That's um, why you have fucking sheep. <laughs> Food and fur. Food and fur. That's why I will never have sheep. <laughs> uh, I think one other part I love about this um, this scene, especially with uh, Gaston in his um, his parts of the song as well, um, is that you you like you can see immediately that this man gives zero shits about Belle as a person. Belle is a trophy, and he just needs to add it to his list of his his wall of trophies of things that he can he can acquire um he only likes her because she doesn't like him back and it's i hate shit like that <laughs> but I yeah, hate she, is, she is something to be conquered yeah in, she's not a guys. person she doesn't actually matter to him mm-hmm. she's just a trophy and he wants it so bad great all right jordan what's your first scene you'd like to discuss all right well that was gonna be my first scene so I'm going to go with, 
I'm going to go with the sort of Bell escapes, saves the beast scene. Um, and the main reason why I wanted to discuss this scene is because it is sort of the turning point um, in one Bell and Beast's relationship. Um, but what I do find most interesting about it is that she could have left. She could have taken the horse and she could have gone away, never looked back, saved herself, gone to her father. She could have left. And then she doesn't. She looks back and she was like, shit, I'm going to go help him. She saves the beast, brings him back. And it's the turning point in their relationship where there starts to become some mutual respect, respect, especially with her when she's like, I hate the whole tending to his wound scenes. They're always so annoying. <laughs> Thank <but> you. <laughs> I hate them so fucking much. The only good thing about this one is that it can't be sexy because it's a cartoon for children. So at least it doesn't have that aspect to it, but I fucking hate those scenes. But what I do like about this one in particular, though, is that um, she starts to gain some confidence and talks back to him. And that's where he's like, oh, fuck. Okay, sure. Which What's, what's going on here? Um, so that's, I think, what I most like about this scene is it's the turning point and it really starts to set up like, okay, here we go. Here's where they're going to fall in love. She thought she was tending to the wounds on his arms, but she was really tending to the wound oh, on his off. heart. <laughs> it's a metaphor, guys. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm unnecessarily being <laughs> about this movie. This, this, I feel this like that's going to keep going. Strikes, this, this trope genuinely always strikes me as a little bit silly, but of I course, do, I, 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 this really doesn't take me out of the movie too much. I did roll my eyes and then, you know, it's over 30 seconds yeah. later. I do agree with you. I hate the trope. It's not awful here, though. I've seen worse. Yeah, the rescue scene, though, like the scene, uh, like her battling the wolves. Are you kind yeah. of including that in this? Um, yes. I really like that scene. That's one of the better like action sequences in the movie. Agreed. Yeah, yeah for a movie about romance, it has a really that and the um, the the end scene just has some fantastic moments. So we'll and we'll mm -hmm. get that. I have that one later as well. But um, yeah. All right, I didn't have that on my list, so god damn it. Oh, wait, no, I do. Oh, there it is. Sweet. Okay, there. Um, okay, well, then I'm going to go with a scene I fucking love where the, uh, the character is one of my favorites, if not my favorite in the film, and that is the musical number Be Our Guest. Hmm. Just before the scene starts... Even though it's, ah, well, no, you know what? It's actually not that bad. But uh, Lumiere and the maid behind the curtain always makes me giggle. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you can see his little his little hands shining through. <laughs> um, thankfully, it's not like uh, it's not like Pepe Le Pew, uh, because she's not she's not resisting. She's not saying she's not saying no. She's perfectly she is consenting uh they are having their fun little flirtations and stuff like that i oh i it always makes me giggle the the silhouette of them behind the curtain yeah lumiere and cogsworth banter leading up to the musical number uh those two have great chemistry together uh it took me a while when i was younger to realize that the voice of lumiere is jerry orbach who uh, was a very famous actor at the time for being in Law and Law and Order. 
and mm-hmm. or he's actually uh, probably uh, most well known for a lot of people as uh, playing the dad in Dirty Dancing. Seeing him in like Dirty Dancing and Law and Order, and then thinking that he is the French candlestick Lumiere, uh, is uh, mind-boggling to me. Uh, it's not a connection I even to this day uh, can easily make. But I fucking love Lumiere. I love him so much, uh, and his banter with uh, Cogsworth is absolutely delightful. The animation in this song is top-notch. It is obviously an over-the-top musical number that is just meant to celebrate musicals at its greatest. Uh, Cogsworth trying to keep them quiet throughout the song is a nice little running gag. And then when Cogsworth just at the end of the song starts trying to dance a little bit himself, always brings a little smile to my face. Be Our Guest is one of my favorite moments of this film. Yeah, I also think uh, it's sorry. Sorry, go ahead, Jordan. <laughs> uh, I also think it's definitely one of the most. It's probably like the second most iconic scene in the entire movie. Could be first, depending on who you talk to. Um, it's an incredible music number, and I, I can't even imagine how long it takes to design something like that, especially back in 1991, where CGI isn't consistently used all the time, and it's it's a newer technology that you're trying to integrate with your 2D animation. Um, so just some of the shots that you get in that movie with everything that's flying and you're circling around it all the time. And it's absolutely incredible to watch. And the song is just a bop. It's catchy as fuck. Yeah. I fucking love that song. Yeah. It's, uh, clearly one of the highlights of the movie, the energy here in the film just absolutely skyrockets 10,000%. Um, it is, um, so musically fun the tempo changes the c b uh, i guess i almost went into the simpsons version of it did you hear that i always got to give it every time i hear about the song i always think of the simpsons parody Me see too. my best which is one of the great moments in the history of that tv show as well um but regardless the uh the the, the tempo changes and the uh um the bombastic nature of the loud conclusion and Lumiere's chemistry with a lot of the other, uh, a lot of the other characters in the scene, the huge feeling of the production. It really feels like this is a massive, uh, like mid show showstopper, like a second act showstopper in like a Broadway musical. It really just like has that massive production quality of it, uh, with dancers and lights. And it just feels like a, a huge, um like a huge um representation of excess in some way and really the whole song is just about how much these people love to serve Belle and how much they love having her here and how like their purpose is fulfilled by having her there it's uh it's not a song that requires a ton of analysis but it's just fucking fun it is just so unapologetically fun and it's it's probably the funnest moment in the entirety of the movie 100% 100% it is. I also want to quickly touch on something that I've never really thought about that you said. What is quickly it? touch. Oh, aw, cute. <laughs> so weird. Like, Manny's just reaching out to me from the screen. Um, we were talking about how Lumiere has good chemistry with a lot of, like, the like the dishes. Um, and it made me never really think about how good the chemistry is between so many of these 
animated pieces of furniture. It's quite incredible that this talking animated candlestick has amazing chemistry with a clock and a teapot. Like I've just never I've never thought of that before, but it they do. It's hilarious. Nice. Sammy boy, what's our next scene? Um what are we going with? I'm going to go with the attack on the castle. Nice. Yeah, so the attack at the end. Mostly, I just really love... Uh, like, there's something really funny about watching a bunch of big, strong people who are like rioters, some of them holding torches and pitchforks. Something really funny about them getting the shit kicked out of them by a bunch of pieces of furniture. It's just There's something really satisfying about that. The animators must have had a blast with this scene. Um, uh, I know that, uh, Manny, you said the, the animated style of some parts of this movie you're not a huge fan of. Um, but uh, for me, this like I just like the look of this scene. Again, it, it, I think the animators did a good job of catching capturing the scope and the size of the castle. And I mean, this battle mostly takes place just in the lobby here, um, but they get really creative with it. Jordan? Yeah, I have this one too. Um, I call it the castle fights back. Um, I also, my main note on this as well was just how fun this scene is to watch how much fun it must have been to animate and again how incredibly entertaining it is to watch inanimate objects fight humans like it's so entertaining to watch like a coat rack and a wardrobe like engulf a person spin them out in different clothes and they go run away like it's it's so comedic um except that also, wardrobe definitely killed a person yeah yeah they don't call it, it a wardrobe don't call it a peace robe Boo. Jesus. Boo. Agreed, you're welcome. Boo. I'm editing that out of the show. <laughs> no, you're not. I, I you don't know you're not doing that. I don't ever edit, but that is coming out. <laughs> oh, shit. Um, but, you know, he got what he deserved. It's fine. Everybody in that scene gets what they deserve, you know? Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, Jordan, your pick next. Um, so I'm going to talk about what I still haven't actually picked my favorite scene yet. Um, oh, shit. yeah, cause it's hard. I'd love this whole movie. Um, even just trying to pick five, five scenes to talk about. I'm like, how broad am I going to make these scenes here? So I can talk about everything I want to. Um, so I'm kind of talking about specifically the library scene, um, but kind of enveloped in the the something there falling in love montage um but the library scene itself is one of my favorite scenes in a movie oh that i've loved my whole i know right wow (laughs) who could have guessed that one um partly because a i want one um i've been training my whole life i've been collecting for you know 26 years so i'm ready one day i'm going to be rich I have a lot of money. I'm going to have a big house. I'm going to have that library. And when I do, I'm going to have the books to fill it. Uh, That is a life goal of mine. Um, The other reason why I love this scene is, um, again, about Beast and Belle. Um, Because the Beast has this gigantic smile on his face this entire time. Because he is so excited to show Belle something that he knows she is genuinely going to love. He, at first he's just going to walk her in and he was like, Oh no, close your eyes. Like 
I need to see you see this for the first time. I need to witness this. Makes her close her eyes, brings her in, and he's just giddy this whole time because he knows he's about to show her something absolutely spectacular, something that she's never seen before. And I just love how giddy he is throughout this entire scene. He's so excited to do this. And it's such a juxtaposition from when you meet him because he's big, scary, grumpy, erg beast. Um, and she breaks him down. And it's I I think it's adorable. Sammy boy. Uh, yeah, I don't have this one written down. Yeah, I'm shocked. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this, this is not a moment in the movie that resonated with me much. Um, I, I respect your pick for it. The one bit of emotional con- connection I have to this Jordan can probably guess it. It's the fact that uh, there's an entire argument that revolves around this scene, uh, or rather that references this scene in my favorite TV show of all time, BoJack Horseman. Uh, Diane and <laughs> Peanut Butter have an entire fucking meltdown over her having the same childhood oh, dream as you to have yeah. what she, what childhood her called a bell room, but is really just yes. a library. And uh, yeah, they, it devolves into a huge argument. And that's, I do that's recall the entirety that. of and my I- reaction. I did feel called out. When oh, I, I bet. That scene. <laughs> it's like, okay, chill out. <laughs> uh, yeah, I didn't have this scene either, uh, but I knew that Jordan would. <laughs> it's just so magical. Of course it is. It's so lovely, and it's so cool, and I want one. <laughs> yeah. It'd be like if the Beast gave me a movie theater room. Here, this is Exactly. Oh, have fun. Cool. Read, watch every movie that's ever existed. It's here. Beautiful. That's what I want. And he already has one of those rooms. That's true. I do? Oh, <laughs> you're <I'm>... getting there. <laughs> you How many did you more... estimate that you're up to? I thought I was I thought I was gonna be at a, over a thousand, but I, I'm starting to doubt my numbers. Right. Are you still uh chipping away at the uh, locking the movies on letterbox? Not as fast as I want. Yeah. Take some time. You know you're what? logging you guys, I guess I guys, can't you, even I was about to say finish, you guys finish the podcast, I'll finish it up. <laughs> <laughs> I was about to say, I can't believe you're logging every movie you own. And then I remember I just spent like the last six months logging every single book I own. So I can't make fun of you for that. Nice. Yeah. I'll definitely yeah. beat 600. Yeah. I think I'm, hold on. I think I'm at letter G or maybe F and I am, where is it? Yeah, I'm at 255. Nice. Oh. Roughly. Okay. All right, then I'm going to go and talk about another musical number that I love, and that is Gaston. Nice. So much fun. Uh, LeFou is a great friend and a great wingman, even though he is completely shit upon uh, by Gaston. He is still a loyal friend and loyal wingman. And in the picture and early on in the movie, I always found it amusing that Gaston carries a gun and a quiver of arrows, yet no bow. He doesn't bring the bow until he gets to the castle at the end. <laughs> and it, there, in that picture that's on the wall behind him, in his, uh, even though he, he's at some pub and yet they have pictures of him and all of his uh, killings at that pub, the pictures of him holding a gun with a quiver of arrows. I was like, I'm like, I don't understand it. Makes I have sense. never caught on to that character design until right it. now. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, this song is one of one of my favorite songs 
it's so much fun. Uh, and sorry, is um, God damn it, is it Jody Benson? Is that who plays? Uh, Robbie Benson, sorry, uh, that plays. Oh, that he plays the Beast. Who is Gaston? Richard, Richard, Richard White. White. Uh, fucking amazing. Mm. Uh, amazing. Uh, I had. Uh, this is always a, a section of the movie that I just smile at the whole time. Gaston, A plus. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm trying to find this one quote because I. We kind of also, Manny, you and I had a, a sort of agreement to not use quotes from songs in the best quotes section. Yeah. Um, so I'm just trying to find this one line. Um, oh, this one line from the song I love. It's. Um, it, I think it's in the final verse. No one plots like Gaston, takes cheap shots like Gaston, plans to persecute harmless crackpots like Gaston. That is such a good lyric. <laughs> and like, it caught me by surprise this time around, like how cynical and... Uh, it was, I like the structure of this song. The first two verses are very genuine in their praise for Gaston. And then the third one rolls around and it's kind of like almost taking like cheap shots at him like that. Like what a great guy is persecuting crackpots. Like what a, what a stand up individual. And it's almost a little uh, like sarcastic. Um, one aspect of the animation I like in the scene that I only noticed this time around is the lighting. I really, yeah, there's this fireplace off to the side and Gaston is kind of facing away from it. Um, contemplating what, what his next move is and his face is just completely shrouded in shadow. The animation looks really good here. And then, yeah, the uh, the song, which is, I guess, initiated by LeFou, who is another great character. Um, this whole scene is just so damn fun, man. This, this whole musical number is the other big aspect of the movie that, um, you know, this movie isn't necessarily going for fun, per se, in, in a lot of aspects of this movie. It, it's definitely trying to be a lot more dram dramatic or romantic in certain aspects that's i'm not trying to insult it that's just like a choice i think the movie's trying to make uh but as far as fun moments it's like this and, and be your guest and this is a really fun one too jordan it is a really fun moment it's um it's definitely one of the more entertaining ones it does have some fantastic lines like when he says uh I'm especially good at like expectorating or whatever. Expastorating. Expectorating. Expectorating. Yeah. God, that line gets me every time. Like, what a fucking silly thing to be good at. <laughs> fucking spitting into a cup. Like, it's fantastic. Um, I do like my hatred of Gaston is just that he's like he's a he's you know he's your shitty dude whatever. But he is really well done and he's so entertaining and him and Lefou are hilarious. Uh, a little bit of a toxic friendship there as well. If we're going to, you know, talk about relationships that are, meh. it's mm -hmm. a little, a little, a little toxic. LeFou could do better. Um, <laughs> the, it's the villain. Like, were you expecting the villain to be a good buddy or what? Yeah. Like... Well, you would like to th at least think that the villain would be like friendly with his closest confidant. Okay, tell yeah. tell me tell who would also villain, be. Tell me a villain that's friendly with their closest confidant. Scar. I don't know. Usually they don't have one. <laughs> <laughs> Maleficent. <laughs> Ursula. Usually they're like yeah. actually terrible. Like they do really bad things, so they don't have confidants. Yeah. <laughs> they just I'll, ruin everything. I'll, I'll agree with Manny on this one. This never bugged me because I. It doesn't the reason, bug me. The reason that I point out the toxicity of the uh, of the Bell and Beast relationship, or the perceived toxicity of it, however you want to say that, uh, is because it is often. I think viewed at as something to aspire to. 
nobody looks at LeFou no. and Gaston is like, you know what? I just love <laughs> to have a friend like Gaston. <laughs> you know, that's never, that's that's totally never fair. crossed anyone's mind, at least as far as <laughs> I know. Not true. Everyone wants to be my friend. <laughs> that's what you think. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't reveal my Gaston sign until I've already lured them into my trap. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then they're like, oh, "I've already put in this time. I can't end it now." Fuck. Yeah, God. If some of you could see some of the things he says in the group chat, sometimes you're like, "Wow, okay, Manny." Yeah. <laughs> nice. Wait, am I LeFou? Am I LeFou? <laughs> are we all LeFou? <laughs> we are all LeFou. We are all LeFou. T Bone is LeFou. <laughs> Gets fair. T Bone's LeFou. The rest of us are just like the bar mates. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I uh, believe it's Sammy Boy's turn. Uh, I think just about all of mine have been said. Um, I do have the transformation written down. Yeah, let's go with the transformation. Um, the big climactic reveal of the movie. Uh, you know, this is a big Hollywood ending. You know, this is this is also just kind of fun. We get to see um, some good Lumiere and Cogsworth banter. Uh, but this time in human form. I like the character design of the human humanized <laughs> versions of these uh, anthrop- anthropomorphic things. You mm-hmm. know, like uh, Cogsworth and Lumiere, their human designs are, are both really good, as well as Mrs. Potts. Um, yeah, you know, there's, uh, there's about a 10-second gap, maybe five-second gap, where uh, the movie tries to convince us that the beast is really dead. <laughs> And all the six-year-olds in the audience are are bawling their eyes out. And as Jordan raises her hand, Jordan, <laughs> I was definitely one of the most. Oh, no. And or whenever you watch this movie this week, not anymore. <laughs> when I was a kid, though, that hurt. That hurt. I was like, "You can't kill the beast. He, he got good." <laughs> yeah. well. Six-year-old me couldn't comprehend that. I was upset. Mm-hmm. No, but uh, I mean, it's a it's a it's a fun ending, and uh, you know, it's it's charming. It's fun. It is charming. It's sweet. It's your Disney ending. Um, it's not going to go any other way. Um, I like that, you know, the beast gets to earn his humanity back. And um, in doing that, everybody else does as well. And I like what you said about the character design as well. The the human, the, the furniture becoming humans again, and them kind of having that match to sort of the furniture they became um, is a cute little touch. Um, I love when Chip asks if he still has to sleep in the cupboard. That was pretty adorable. I love that little guy. Um, yeah, I don't have too much to say about it, but it is, it's a sweet scene. It's a good ending and it's the kind of ending you're going to expect from this kind of movie. I always thought his transformation into the human. He was ugly. Yeah. I, <laughs> I've never totally was like, oh damn. Cause he's not. And like, I will be the first to admit there are cartoon characters who are absolutely attractive. He, he's not Ooh, like one. who? Um, uh, uh, the the main How to Train Your Dragon guy. What? That was yeah, a very I can't ex- answer. I'm sorry. I've talked about this with a lot of people. I can't really explain it. But <laughs> like, like the, the main character, the guy, yeah. the guy voiced by Jay Baruchel. <laughs> yeah, especially in the later ones. Nice. Um, and also um, the mom from The Incredibles. Well, obviously, that goes without oh, saying. Man. Hello, dude. Yeah. Helen Parr. She's she yeah. has to be in good shape carrying <laughs> that dump truck around with her. I can tell absolutely. you absolutely. I can tell you as a young man, uh, <laughs> I had awkward feelings about Jessica Rabbit. Oh, dude, you're not even. <laughs> yeah, close to that's fair. On that. 
Yeah, that's absolutely fair. I was 13 when that movie came out. And, and it awoke, <laughs> That is prime age. <laughs> it, it awoke things I was unexpected. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's you know, a fun I, realization I'm, when you're watching an animated movie. You're like, I shouldn't uh, be thinking that, but um, here we are. Yeah, I remember being, I mean, I was pretty young when The Incredibles came out, but like yeah, that, that was scene, like 2000... the scene where she's in the outfit for the first time and she like turns around <laughs> and looks at herself in the mirror, like, <laughs> like she checks out her own ass in the mirror. Yeah. It was like, holy shit, I'm eight. I, I was like, I shouldn't be watching this. <laughs> <laughs> what is this I'm feeling? Oh, man. We should, we're, Manny, are we checking out uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit at any point? Uh, it will have to be its own episode because it's an 80s movie. Yeah, true. Might add that to my watch list because I've wanted to watch that for a long time. I've never seen it. I That is a movie I would desperately love to review with you. Nice. Um, okay. Uh, Jordan, it is your pick. Yeah, uh, I only have one left. Um, and it's kind of the scene when you think beauty and the beast it's it's the dance the ballroom the spectacularness of it um i think this scene is in my opinion the most iconic scene like when you think of beauty and the beast uh, i think your standard person will see the golden dress and the blue suit um they'll hear the song um it's just a beautiful song i love it uh it makes me feel all happy inside um i love how it's I love how the animation is in this scene in particular as well. You know, you're, you're dance like, you know, for an animated movie, you're dancing alongside Belle and the Beast as they're dancing as well. You're, you're under Belle's dress and you're floating around and even like the shots up to the ceiling and you're kind of like twirling under the ceiling. Like it's so, it's so, it's very serene and it's, it's just a lovely, lovely moment. And uh, it's always been one of my favorite scenes for sure. The dance is a beautifully shot scene. This is one of the scenes where they really show off what they can do with the camera with CGI because the CGI background allows them to move the camera in ways you couldn't before in animation. Uh, I think this is the most iconic scene in the movie. Uh, if people want to say be, be our guests, they can make an argument, but I still think they're wrong. This is the scene you think of when it comes to Beauty and the Beast. Uh, this is Belle's iconic dress. This is just, it's a beautiful scene oh, overlaid with a beautiful song. Um, yeah, absolutely. Angela Lansbury doesn't know it, but she sung me to sleep many times as a child. <laughs> um, yeah, Sam, thoughts on the dancing? Yep. To be honest with you, uh, this is this is not a scene that registered on my radar in a major way. It is it is a very good looking scene. I don't deny that at all. Um, but I think just the fact that I didn't watch this much as a kid, that I'm revisiting it after the, the technology has been improved upon after the fact, um, doesn't make this hit as hard uh, in retrospect. So I have no like I have no strong feelings about the scene either way. Um, the Beauty and the Beast song. I mean, are we are we ranking the songs in this movie? Is that something that we're doing later on? I we'll, do have a ranking. We are when we get to the technical review. When yeah, we get the score right, soundtrack. Yeah. Uh, after we do the technical review, we'll, we'll do the we'll rank the songs there. Then I'll refrain from talking about the Beauty and the Beast song for now, and we'll we'll Holy touch on it then. Shit, I'll slap your face. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's a good thing you're a province away, or else I would have many times. Fuck. 
All right. So uh, my last pick uh, is Gaston versus the Beast. Mm-hmm. Cool. Um, Gaston once again overestimating his prowess as a hunter since he's been able to uh, take down everything that he's come into. Uh, and this is where he makes this fatal mistake, not not just because of his arrogance thinking that he can defeat the beast. Uh, this is the time he decides to not use his gun and does bring the bow that goes with his quiver on his back. Uh, silly, silly Gaston. Should have brought the- If he brought the gun, we'd be having a different type of movie. We, we, we would see the beast head mounted on that wall behind him at the pub. Uh, Above the sink where Bell's washing dishes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I wanted to make a sexist joke so bad right there. Um, what stopped you? <laughs> this is being recorded. Um, uh, Gaston stabbing him in the back. One of the things... Uh, uh, as well as it, it's Gaston that basically kills himself, uh, not really the beast. It's that Gaston decides that stabbing him is more important than getting a, a, a sure hold on where he is and ends up falling to his own death, which allows both Bell and the beast to still remain somewhat noble since they didn't technically kill Gaston. Um, other than that, uh, one of the things actually I, f- I forgot to touch on um, you mentioned uh, it was one of the things I wanted to. You know what? I'll I'll save it for the performance review. I'll save it for the performance review. Um, sure. Gaston versus the Beast. Uh, I always enjoyed this. You know, added effect. It's <clears throat> raining to add some more dramatic flair uh, to the scene. Uh, it's just a scene I've I've always thought was uh, was pretty good. Sam. On the on Gaston versus the Beast. Indeed. Yep. This uh, this was kind of like a last minute cut from uh, something I wanted to talk about. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's an exciting uh, climax in the movie. I think um, I, I really like everything you said as far as dissecting it, as far as um, uh, it's Gaston's own uh, arrogance that brings him down. I think that's really kind of what the writer uh, writers and directors were, were going for in the scene. Um, so it's a very, very fitting end to the Gaston character uh, being brought down by his own hubris. Uh, even though he's one of the more interesting characters in the movie, he uh, he needed to die. Mm-hmm. He, he super did need to die. I was happy to watch it happen too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, he, he, he's a sick <laughs> bastard! Uh, um, all right, time to pick our favorite scene. Sammy boy, what you got? Uh, this was a two-horse race, and even that one was won pretty convincingly by "Be Our Guest." This has always been. Uh, one of my favorite songs, part of partially because it is one of the best songs in the movie, partially because the Simpsons parody of it makes me giggle so much. Um, both are excellent, but uh, yeah, this is the best scene in the movie for me. Jordan, um, it ultimately when it comes down to it, it's it's the dance, it's the iconicness of it, it's the it's the song and how I I just how I feel when I watch that scene. It's, uh, it's just really good. It's beautiful. Um, it's simple. Um, but it's spectacular to me. Nice for me. It's be our guest. It's, uh, an absolutely treasure trove of visual excellence. I absolutely enjoy watching this, uh, Jerry Orbach singing of the song. Everything about that scene, uh, just brings me joy. It's be our guest for me. 
All right, let's get the performance review. Sammy, who you want to talk about first? Um, you know what? The main person I have on here that I want to talk about is Robbie Benson as the Beast. Okay. Um, I really like this performance. I think it is done a fair amount of favors by the sound design as well. Those kind of go hand in hand. Um, a lot of his dialogue is kind of overlaid with this growling sound effect. Um, but it's really effective, and uh, he has to—he has to use a fair amount of range in this film. He has to be the the beast who's mean and growling and intimidating, and he also has to be the the, the sweet, kind beast at the end. So, um, for a voice performance, I think he shows a good amount of range, and of course, is done favors by the sound design. It's a it's a good performance. Jordan, thoughts yeah, on, no. on the beast. Um, yeah, he's. He definitely does a really good job with it. Um, I like that, you know, his, I love that kind of like the singing voice is so different from his actual voice, uh, especially when he's kind of like the big grumpy um, beast. And then all of a sudden you hear him singing and you're like, oh, okay, hello. Uh, totally different, but it's a good range that he has. And um, yeah, not too much to say on him, but yeah, he was, he really good, um, but definitely uh, assisted by some great sound design as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm just going to echo what you guys say. I think his voice acting is probably one of the best in the movie itself. Uh, the animation of the character of the Beast, I think, is the best animation in the movie. Uh, he's so expressive uh, in his eyes, in his movement, everything about him. Um, so I'm I'm kind of combining both the voice performance and the animation when mm. it comes to my performance review. I don't. I didn't know really how else because just talking about their voice work is fine. It doesn't allow much else, so I included the animation aspect of the character. If for we're the performance review, if we're doing that, I just want to point out the animation of this character. At one point, it's when he's being groomed for the big for the big ball scene, and his <laughs> fur gets all fluffy. Scene. I really like that touch. Like if you've ever owned a dog, you and you've oh. ever have, had to bathe the dog before, you know, like just when it's drying, its fur just gets obscenely like. <laughs> foofy just like very very i can't even describe it any other way and they just visually for me i thought they visually captured that for just like a split second and uh it made me smile i I know that probably has nothing to do with the actual (laughs) performance but as long as we're talking about the animation of the character seems like it fits here well and even in that scene too i love how well they capture his genuine annoyance with what they're trying to do to his body mm-hmm. <laughs> like all this all the shit they put is in, in those like hair and stuff i love how done they made him look in that perfect jordan who would you like to talk about next um i want to talk about angela lansbury as mrs potts um i absolutely adore her not that i think she had anything too hard to do uh, she had a pretty easy job which was be um the adorable motherly figure uh, and she does it really well um and she it's one thing that's super interesting especially with the uh with the furniture characters is you know the the way like the items that they are really um like matches with like their voicing and everything like like she would be like a teapot who's supposed to bring like you know calm and and comfort to people um, and give them like, you know, something to wind down with at the end of the day. Like that's absolutely the kind of person that Mrs. Potts makes me think of. Mm-hmm. Um, so I love that she's played as, um, as a teapot. It works so incredibly well. And she's just this lovely, 
charming um you know mother i i almost always thought of grandmother i know she had i know chip is her son but like i don't i think of her more of as like a grandmother figure almost um she's got 12 kids so yeah so that's fair (laughs) um but she's just very she was always like a very relaxing figure and uh, one of my favorite parts of watching this movie is is every time she talks it just it's very calming i really like it mm-hmm. sam thoughts on mrs potts yeah one of the uh one of the better uh, voice performances in the movie as well especially from a minor character um just very sweet good uh, good chemistry with uh chip whatever that relationship may be um and uh yeah she's just, just very strikes me as a very sweet older lady and uh just a very wholesome character i know, can't not get on board with that Mm, I agree. Wholesome is a great word to use for Mrs. Potts. Uh, it's a voice performance uh, I've always enjoyed. Uh, the look uh, and the movement of of the of the animation uh, is great uh, and fits the character perfectly. I'm going to move on to Belle because I need to discuss a couple things. Uh, Sam pointed out earlier on that Disney said uh, our what what was it you said exactly? Oh look, our female character is interesting because she reads books and is smart. Yeah, <laughs> is that is that roughly what you said? Yeah, it's vaguely um, vaguely in the vicinity. Okay, I can understand that reading, but pardon the pun. Re- po- <laughs> no, don't pardon the pun. Uh, the, I'm outraged by it. One of the one of the other things I actually noticed uh, on this rewatch was. Uh, in a scene that none of us actually talked about, when the father is kidnapped and the horse Philippe returns and Belle realizes that her dad is missing, she doesn't go for help. She goes and does it herself. Mm-hmm. That is huge. Uh, a, a lot of Disney princesses prior to her would go and get help from somebody else. She doesn't. She is independent and strong on her own. Does not need a man. That is a sign of a good heroine. Absolutely valid point. I have nothing to count uh, to to contradict <laughs> that. Uh, the voice work by Paige O'Hara, I think, is really good as well. Obviously, she she can sing fantastically. Uh, she portrays the character uh, in a completely believable way. The obvious exception to this is that the romance between her and the beast does feel rushed i don't think it's unearned but the movie's less than 90 minutes long and they spent a lot of time setting everything up and have either of you seen the the sequel to this yeah enchanted christmas yes you can't count that though i'm not i'm not i was just wondering if you guys had seen it it's really, I'm not counting it within the movie, but like it's only it's 80 minutes. Really good. It is. It's <laughs> super fucking. Yeah, it's super fucking adorable. And also, I love the antagonist in that movie so yes. much. Yes, oh, he's so good. Yeah. Oh, that's fantastic. That's yeah, surprising. It, when did that come out? Good question. That's a great question. I'm gonna say. I'm, I'm gonna guess. My guess. Ninety-eight. That's my okay. guess. I'm looking at it. Was it their magical Christmas or uh, yeah, Beauty the, the Enchanted Beast? Christmas? Okay, ninety-eight's my guess. Ninety-seven. Mm. God nice. damn it, um, Sam, one hundred percent worth watching. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's really. Great. For, 
for a direct-to-video sequel or not even a it's not really a sequel because it takes place over like it's the in the winter it's in the winter yeah it's in the winter when they're together it's like all over the christmas so it gives you like a long time like between everything going on what would it's you within the first movie what would you even call it it's kind of like lion king one and a half if you ever watched that either yeah, what would you call lion that king? i don't know <laughs> yeah isn't lion king one and a half just expanding on the time simba has with timon and pumbaa well yeah it's it's the it's lion king the entire thing from Timon and Pumbaa's perspective. <laughs> oh. uh, yeah, Sam, if if you want to watch something that's surprisingly good for a direct-to-video offshoot, uh, I, w- I couldn't believe how good it was. All right, fair enough. Uh, other than that, I... Uh, a midquel. That works. I just, I'm Googling it. I was, I was trying to think of, like, words in my head, and I Googled one, and it gave me a different one, so... Mid cool. Doesn't really roll off the tongue. Really doesn't, no. 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 Okay. Um yeah. I think I think Belle uh for a long time was one of my favorite Disney princesses. You've, success- you've successfully shot her up the ranks for me. You argued your case. <laughs> I think she's uh, always been my favorite Disney princess. She's really my top yeah. three, yeah. I was never big on a lot of the OG ones. Like, I really didn't watch, like, Cinderella or Snow White or Sleeping Beauty a lot. Didn't like them either. Um, wasn't, I didn't mind, like, The Little Mermaid. Um, I would say for going maybe more, um, like, recent Disney movies. Even then, I'm not huge on, like, Frozen. I like Tiana. So I don't really. I like Princess and the Frog. I haven't actually seen that. You haven't seen it? No. I know. It's fun. Oh. Sam, who do you want to talk about next? I don't really have anyone else other besides uh, besides Paige O'Hara, Robbie Benson, Angela Lansbury. Those are the three that I had. All right. Uh, I have a few. I think you could talk about um, Jerry Obach and David Ogden Stiers together as Lumiere and Cogsworth because their okay. performances are totally Sweet. based on each other because they spend the whole time bickering together. And they voiced an old married couple really well. It was so much fun. They're so much fun when they're on screen the entire time. They bicker so well. Uh, I think I just think they're hilarious and they uh, they play it really well. Uh, I agree wholeheartedly. Uh, Lumiere is one of my favorite characters in the movie. Uh, I think his uh, again the animation of the uh, of the, uh, uh, is it a candelabra candelabra? Did I say yeah. that right? I always I have so, problems yeah. with that word. Um, and the clock, great. Uh, their banter, I agree, is uh, off the charts, fantastic. Uh, a, a great old married couple on screen. I also uh, really... Oh, sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, I like Manny's characterization earlier. You didn't say it like this, but you were you were basically going this direction. Pepe Le Pew, but not a rapist. It's yes. like... <laughs> a very, a very good character for uh, for Lumiere. And I agree, him and uh, uh, Cogsworth is the other, is the clock's yeah. name. Yeah. Uh, great chemistry off one another and uh i like we have lumiere who kind of seems like he's the like the free spirit of the two and cogsworth like is a little bit, yeah cogsworth is a little bit more of a stickler for the rules he's a, there's a great scene of him like going through the architecture of the building it's like a little bit <laughs> no more, one's uh, listening yeah no one's listening yeah the two of them play off each other really well yeah. i also love a lot of the some like the visual gags especially with like cogsworth where he like takes his like clock hands and like wipes his face off and stuff. I think a lot of those little pieces were absolutely adorable. 
I don't have anybody left. Jordan? Uh, the only one I had was Gaston. Nice. Um, if for no other reason than his uh, singing chops in Gaston, like the song, spe- spectacular. Yeah, I those love listening to him sing. He is fucking yeah, absolutely it the park. It's crazy. Incredible. Yeah. Um, he also just voices a, a douchebag really well. <laughs> I'm sure he would take that as a compliment. <laughs> I, think he I hope he does. Well. I think he would as well. It's a compliment. Perfect. Yeah. You did the job you were paid to do yeah, exceptionally well, and exactly. that job was be a douche. You made me believe it. It worked. Good job. <laughs> that's what you're. That's what you're paid to do. Uh, Sammy boy, your favorite. Your favorite performance. Uh, I got Robbie Benson, the Beast. All right, Jordan. Mine's Angela Lansbury. Oh, nice. Yeah, mine's the Beast as well. Yeah. Uh, all right, technical review. Sam, where are you starting? Uh, you know what? I touched on this with Robbie Benson's performance as well, but I really like the sound design of the movie. It's not something that I normally start with on technical review. It's usually a little bit more minor, but I found myself really impressed by it in this movie. Obviously not a surprise that a Disney animated movie would be technically really well made, technically very sound. Um, but the mixture of the sound design with the voice acting, uh, impressive throughout, definitely most notable in the scenes with the beast during his angry outbursts with the snarls that are, that are uh, included in there. Um, and then uh, various different things about the sound design, the, the sound effects, the clinks and clicks of all of the different side characters of the Lumieres and Cogsworths of the worlds. Um, the, even the vocal effects that come into play, like um this kind of ties in with editing as well, but there's a scene where Maurice, when he enters the castle for the first time, right at the beginning of the film, his voice changes kind of mid sentence as we cut to a wide shot of the interior of the hall. And his voice just because becomes very big and boomy and like very heavy reverb on it. Like attention to small details like that are really what, um, you know, what separates a bad sound designer from a good one. And they, they have such intense, uh, attention to detail on a lot of those things in this movie. I wanted to give it a shout out. Jordan. Um, I didn't have too much to talk on. I figured we'll probably save the soundtrack for the end. Um, but I just wanted to guess, um, can go into the animation um, and uh, the integration of CGI into this 2D animated movie and how it really does change. Like this is such a different movie without the CGI in it. I, it does, it's not as magical. It, it doesn't suck you in as much. Um, it's such a different movie without CGI integrated into it. So I think the animation is spectacular from the, the, you know, the end dance, like the dance scene to even just like be our guest and how fluid everything is. I, mm-hmm. oh, it's so good. It's incredible. And it's absolutely part of why it was nominated. It was the first animated movie nominated for best picture. I, I, I will just add uh, real quick that, I really didn't know the reputation this film had for being like that technolo- technologically groundbreaking with its inclusion of CGI and traditional animation. I really didn't know about that until this discussion we're having here tonight. So I do kind of wish that I had known that going in and would have known to watch for it a little more because I, I just straight up did not. That's fair. When, when you when you know it going in, you can you can see the difference. Mm-hmm. Um, I think when you're just kind of watching the movie to watch the movie, you just you don't really notice how much different the camera movements are. But when yeah. you are looking for it, you notice it, it. It's so like it's so painfully apparent. Yeah. Not to mention, like 
most golden age Disney, and sorry, man, I didn't mean to cut you off, but like most golden age Disney comes after this. Like this is very early in the so-called golden golden age. Um, no, this so, is called the Renaissance. Sorry, Renaissance, golden age, whatever. Renaissance. <laughs> uh, this is very early on in sort of the resurgence that uh, Disney 2D animation saw uh, during the late 80s and early 90s. Uh, so most of the films that I'm familiar with from this period would have been post Beauty and the Beast. Yep. So for that reason, I don't see that innovation. I've mostly existed in a post Beauty and the Beast world, so I, I just don't see that. Yeah, and it's understandable. It's it's one of the things, uh, like a quick tangent. Um, and I, I I I've mentioned this mentioned this to you before, Sam, mm-hmm. is when I meet a lot of younger people and we're, I'm talking about movies and they always ask what my favorite movie is. I'm like, it's Pulp Fiction. And if they're like, oh, I haven't seen it. I'm like, I would love for you to watch it, but you're not going to understand. I don't think you'll fully understand how incredibly groundbreaking that movie is because you live in a post Pulp Fiction world. Yeah. So all the, all the things that it changed, you've grown up with. So it's not, well, it's, it's still perfectly, you can watch Pulp Fiction and be like, that is a really good movie. I, you won't see it as groundbreaking and as revolutionary as I did when I was in that in that movie theater. Doesn't mean that you it could, somebody twenty years old right now could still watch Pulp Fiction and still be like, "Oh my god, that's the greatest movie I've ever seen." I'm not saying that that can't happen. It's just it's a, it's a little different. Uh, their appreciation might be for the filmmaking and the storytelling and the acting in it. That's part of it for me, but it's also how much it changed movies is one of the reasons that that, uh, that movie is so important to me. And that's one of the things, one of the minor things about, about this film uh, is how it changed animation hmm. or helped facilitate the change for animation. Then, actually, I don't think there's really anything else I really want to talk about. It did win, it, it won best score. I found the score to be, no, it didn't win best score. It was nominated. No, it did win. What is score? No, it did win. Ah, I still think GFK is better. <laughs> yeah, of course this, you do. Yeah, yeah, but also, but yeah, it's still. I think I think it's better. I, honestly, maybe I didn't notice the score as much because there's so many musical numbers. But yeah, like differentiating where this, where like the musical number ends and the score takes yeah, over. Maybe I need to listen to the score on its own. Um, all right. Let's rank the songs. <laughs> Sam, break our hearts and go first. Okay, so I got I got seven. There's seven of these, right? I have six. I also have six. Sorry, what am I? I think I may have included like I listened to the entire entire soundtrack while I was doing this. Um, can you guys just list list the names? I what? Okay. Uh, I've got uh, Beauty and the Beast, yeah. Belle, Be Our Guest, Gaston, Something There, and the Mob Song. Okay, yeah, I had I had one of the extra ones from the soundtrack in. There was um, what was that song called? Human Again is I, not like, yeah, that's like a, bon- like a bonus on there. Yeah, it's in a deleted scene. I have a special shout out to Human Again, but I didn't include it in my ranking. Right on. Okay, so six songs in order. Uh, I'll start with number six. Okay, I was gonna. I'm like, are you ascending? Yeah, I got number six. Something okay. there. <laughs> <laughs> do, I, do I wait on each one for a reaction? Or do I just go? <laughs> I, I, oh. a little, I think a little. Pa- I think a little pause is nice. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I wish other people could see oh, your reaction <laughs> because I feel like no matter what I put at the bottom, you guys are gonna hate me. I don't know. <laughs> Number six, something there. Number five, Beauty and the Beast. Oh fuck off! <laughs> are you fucking kidding me? Yeah. What? 
I'm dead serious. Number four, the mob song. Number three, Bell. Number two, Gaston. Number one, be our guest. Holy shit. Okay, hold on. Okay. That 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 shocked me a little bit. Can you go in descending order now? Just a little slower. I need to type this out for me. To okay, de- descending order. Number one, be our guest. Yes. Obviously. Okay. Number two, Gaston. Gaston. Okay. Number three, right. Bell. You're, do- you're you're doing you're doing good so far. Okay. Number three, Bell. Okay. Then number four, Mob Song. Wow. I don't wow. like. I feel like the dis- like the the point of anger is that you would have my four or five reversed or something. I don't know. Okay, and that's Beauty and the Beast. Yeah. Okay. Number five is Beauty and the Beast. Number six, something there. All right. I don't know. Where am I wrong? <laughs> I know that Beauty and the Beast, you guys consider it way higher, but like those other, so- it's really just a testament to the other songs. I just really fucking like those other songs. And I just don't have that connection to that the title track. Jordan, what do you got? Oh, motherfucker. <laughs> ah! um, for number six, I've got the mob song. Mm. Uh, number five, I've got something there. Number four, I have, uh, yeah, Belle. Uh, number three, Gaston. Number two, Be Our Guest. And number one is Beauty and the Beast. No way. Yes. <laughs> Why? It is like, the iconic, it is the song from the movie. Yeah. Uh. I, uh. I don't get it. Sorry, number two was Be Our Guest, right? Yes. And what was number four? Belle. All right. My list in ascending order at number six is Mob Song. Where it should be. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. Perfectly placed. Perfect placement, Manny. Perfect placement. (laughs) My number five is something there. (laughs) Again, perfect. Perfect. perfect, Perfectly placed. Absolutely perfect. Coming in at number four. Perfectly placed. (laughs) Bell. Amazing. Again, you're right. Perfect. And this is where we differ. I'm glad you guys are enjoying this, by the way. I'm glad you guys are having fun. It's nice to see your smiling faces. Taking the bronze medal is Beauty and the Beast. You had the gall to be that outraged about Beauty and the Beast being that low, and you didn't even have it number one? You ought to be ashamed of yourself. Nice try. Mine made the podium. You have... Fucking mob song ahead of yeah. the Beast. The, <laughs> o- the Oscar winning Beauty and the Beast. Yeah. Oscar, yeah. Winning. Oscar winning. Yeah. And you're like, mob song's better. Yeah. At number two. Perfectly placed, according to me and Sam. Gaston. <laughs> Gaston. <laughs> and number one, perfectly placed, according to me and Sam. Be our guest. Uh, oh. That was enjoyable. <laughs> that was enjoyable. Glad you thought so. All right. And again, poems. a shout out to Human again. If you haven't seen that deleted scene, you should. It's great. Right. I fucking love that song. I'm sad that sort of scene is not in the movie. Yeah. I love that scene. Favorite quotes, Sammy boy, start us off. Uh, here I just gotta. I'm gonna delete that one because that's in a song. 
Okay, I think the rest of them are all good. You okay. can keep it in if it has a song. I just no. I honestly it. don't even really like it that much. It's just it was, it was a placeholder. <laughs> uh, so I really only got four. Um, Same. Uh, you are positively primeval, Gaston. Why? Thank you. <laughs> uh, number two. Uh, I, I can't remember what the lead-up question to this is. Jordan would know better than I. Oh, is the beast asking like he he wants to get her uh, wants to get Belle something? Uh, I want well, to there's the usual thing: flowers, amazing. chocolates, promises you don't intend to keep. Uh, and then number three uh, is from Cogsworth. As you can see, the pseudo facade was stripped away to reveal the minimalist Rococo design. <laughs> Note the unusual inverted vaulted ceilings. This is yet another example of the late neoclassic Baroque period. And as I always say, it's not Baroque. Don't fix it. <laughs> you gotta, you gotta do the laugh. <laughs> 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 uh, and then also from Cogsworth, you pompous paraben-headed pea brain. Excellent. Yeah, Excellent. those are mine. Nice. Jordan. Um, so I do have two from songs because that was the thing you guys didn't tell me about. Um, whatever. So I've got um, LeFou, I'm Afraid I've Been Thinking, A Dangerous Pastime, I Know. On that <laughs> nice. line. Yeah, that's a great um, line. And then another guest on one is when he's singing in his, his song, when he says, as a specimen, yes, I'm intimidating. I love that. Um, and then I've got... Uh, Lumiere, Lumiere and the Beast, um, when they're doing his hair, he says, "Voila! Oh, you look so so stupid." Uh, and then I have the same one that Sam has, but a little extended. Um, how can you read this? There's no pictures. Well, some people use their imagination. Bell, it's about time you get your head out of those books and pay attention to more important things, like me. The whole town's talking about it. It's not right for a woman to read. Soon she starts getting ideas and thinking. Gaston, you're positively primeval. Why, thank you, Belle. Um, and then finally, I have the other same one that Sam had, which is the, I want to do something for her, but what? Well, there's the usual things, chocolates, flowers, promises you don't intend to keep. Yep. Uh, I have that same one, that the Beast and Cogsworth, uh, flowers, chocolates, promises you don't intend to keep. I have uh, one from Chip, do I still have to sleep in the cupboard? Uh, I have Cogsworth, uh, and this is so. This is more the delivery, so I'll try my best, but I'm not going to be able to do as good as him. It's serve him tea, sit in the master's chair, pet the pooch. <laughs> uh, and the last one is uh, from Lumiere, ma chérie mademoiselle. It is with mm. deepest pride and greatest pleasure we welcome you tonight. And now we invite you to relax. Let us pull up a chair as the dining room proudly presents your dinner. Nice. Sam, my boy, what's your favorite quote? Uh, what am I going to go with? I'm going to go with the uh, the architecture monologue. <laughs> nice. I just think that's fun. Excellent. Jordan, what do you got? Um, I think I'm going to go with the, uh, the chocolate flowers promises you don't intend to keep. Mm-hmm. I'm a big fan of that line myself, but I'm going to go with Lumiere introduction to the song be our guest uh it has a lot to do with the delivery uh so uh, that that is my pick sam weak link of the film the song beauty and the beast no i'm, I'm totally just kidding <laughs> <laughs> you're so lucky you live in Kamloops. yeah uh no we're gonna go with um i don't know like it I don't want to say it's the romance between Belle and the Beast because that's like the entire plot of the movie. But like the the funnest parts of the movie, the parts that I enjoy the most are not really the parts that revolve around them. So 
honestly, I, I feel fine saying that and still being comfortable that I at least like the movie. Yeah, I'm going to go with the, the central romance. Jordan. Uh, I'm going to go with something that we haven't talked about at all, um, which is the whole Bell's father is crazy plot. I get rid of it. Oh, good call. Hmm. Oh, I'm stealing that answer. Go <laughs> There's a good reason we haven't talked about it, honestly. Yeah, it was it's so stupid. You get that like creepy crypt keeper guy. I'm like, eh, I don't need, I don't mm. need this. Okay, Maurice being crazy subplot. That's my new answer. Love it. <laughs> All right, I got some trivia. Are you ready? Yeah, go for it. Here we go. All songs were the last complete works for a movie by Academy Award winning Howard Ashman. Ashman died eight months prior to the release of this movie. This movie is dedicated to Ashman. At the end of the final credits, you can read the dedication quote to our friend Howard, who gave a mermaid her voice and a beast his soul. We will be forever grateful. End quote. Cute. Mm. Uh, Dame Angela Lansbury, Mrs. Potts, thought that another character would be better suited to sing the ballad Beauty and the Beast. Directors Gary Truesdale and Kirk Wise asked her to make at least one recording to have for a backup. That one <laughs> recording is the one ended up in the movie. Mm. I love that. Uh, when Paige O'Hara was auditioning, a bit of her hair flew in her face and she tucked it back. The animators liked this, so they put it in the movie. Mm. Very cool. Uh, Glenn Keane, the supervising animator on The Beast, created his own hybrid beast by combining the mane of a lion, the beard and head structure of a buffalo, the tusks and nose bridge of a wild boar, the heavily muscled brow of a gorilla, the legs and tail of a wolf, the big and bulky body of a bear. He also has blue eyes, the one physical feature that does not change whether he is beast or human. Mm-hmm. Until Disney's Pixar's Up in 2009 was nominated in 2010, this was the only animated movie to be nominated for the Academy Award for Best Picture. It is still the only animated film to be nominated for Best Picture when there was only five Best Picture nominees. And that, of course, won't change anytime soon. No. I don't think Up would have made uh, a five-picture Best Picture nominee. No, I, I agree with that. Um, Toy Story 3 didn't get nominated, did it? It did, but that's after, that was the next Yeah, year. that's still 10. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the name of Gaston's sidekick, uh, sidekick LeFou, <laughs> is pronounced just like the French words meaning the idiot, the fool, or the insane. Hmm. Uh, Belle's love of reading is meant to be a sign of great intelligence, a trait that had previously not been shown in a Disney princess. It is also a subtle hint to the movie's message, don't judge a book by its cover. Oh. Indeed. Subtle the indeed. Song, the song Be Our <laughs> Guest was originally supposed to be sung to Maurice instead of Belle. But Bruce Woodside pointed out that the song was in the wrong place because Maurice was not the focus of the story, and it made no sense to waste such a wonderful song on a secondary character. Agreed. That, was, that would have Absolutely. been a bad decision. Yeah. I put This next one is for Sam. During the raid on the castle in the third act, when a villager is thrown through the front doors... Uh, I know exactly what you're going to say. Yeah. What is it? There's a Wilhelm scream. Yes. <laughs> this was the first animated feature to use nice. the Wilhelm scream. Nice. Yes. <laughs> I was... love explaining the Wilhelm scream to people because I don't think I knew about it until I heard you guys talking about it potentially on the Titanic, maybe. I think. Oh, no, is there a maybe... Wilhelm scream on the Titanic? Is there? I, can't I honestly don't remember. It's in so we, many I, movies. There but... was there was one 
I was either watching the movie with you, Sam, or I was listening to you guys talk about it, and you mentioned we, the Wilhelm we had scream. A, we had an in-depth discussion of the Wilhelm scream on an episode. Yeah. Um, and ever since then, I've become obsessed with it. So now whenever I'm watching a movie with someone and it happens, I'm like, oh my god, it's a Wilhelm scream. And then I get to go and talk to them about it. Well, it's in like that. all the Star Wars movies, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. I think there's one in each of them. I'm not sure about that. Don't quote me on that. But yeah, they're, they're around if you're looking for them. Yeah. Uh, Paige O'Hara sobbed real tears while recording Bell's Morning of the Beast. Her performance was so intense that directors Gary Truesdale and Kirk Wise asked her if she was okay, upon which O'Hara immediately dropped out of character and said, acting. (laughs) (laughs) Sweet. Uh, I tried to look for this uh, when I was watching the movie because I actually found this trivia before I watched the film. When Gaston is falling at the end, there's a close-up of his eyes. For two frames, a tiny skull flashes in each of his eyes. Wow. Oh, shit. However, uh, for the VHS and Laserdisc release, these frames were altered to remove the skulls. Mm-hmm. There's no such alteration made for the DVD or Blu-ray release. Walt Disney Picture mm-hmm. claims that the skulls determined Gaston's fate as fans were unsure whether he died or not at the end. Mm-hmm. Uh, some casting what-ifs. Uh, Rupert Everett auditioned for the role of Gaston, but was told by the directors he didn't sound arrogant enough. <laughs> he remembered this when he voiced Prince Charming in Shrek 2. <laughs> Sorry, that's really funny. <laughs> um, uh, Val Kilmer and Lawrence Fishburne were considered for the role of the Beast. Shit. I think Fishburne would have been great. Yeah. I agree. Uh, Disney was originally going to have Jodie Benson, the voice of Ariel in The Little Mermaid, also provide the voice of Belle. Mm. However, it was decided that Belle needed a more European-sounding voice. Howard Ashman remembered working with Paige O'Hara and suggested she try out for the part. Uh, Tim Curry was considered to voice the Beast. Nice. Sir Ian McKellen was considered for the role of Cogsworth. Oh, he gets it eventually. Or no, uh, he plays Lumiere. No, I can't remember. Uh, scheduling conflicts with Star Trek The Next Generation forced Sir Patrick Stewart to turn down the role of Cogsworth. Uh, the role of Cogsworth was written specifically with John Cleese in mind. <laughs> nice. Oh, he would have been great. Oh, he would have been great. Patrick Swayze was considered for the role of Gaston. Oh, interesting. Honestly, kind of looks a bit like Swayze. Is that crazy? Boo. <laughs> I'm editing that part out, too. <laughs> Dame Julie Andrews from Mary Poppins was considered for the role of Mrs. Potts. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. And the last one I have, Jackie Chan performed the voice acting and singing for the Beast in the Mandarin dub of this movie. Oh, cool. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, closing credits. We'll start with Sam, and then Jordan, and then me. Sam, would you watch this movie again? Yes, I would. Jordan? Uh, yeah, I watched it twice this week, um, <clears throat> and I probably watch it at least two or three times a year. Nice. Uh, I definitely would watch this movie again. Sam, would you recommend this movie to friends? Yes, but I feel like anybody that I would recommend it to probably has already seen it. Jordan? Yeah, I'm in the same boat. I I don't think I could name a person who hasn't seen this movie but if they haven't then they fucking should i'm actually wondering if maya has seen this or not hmm. interesting you think uh, she'd like it wouldn't the... be too scary at the end 
the the wolves will scare yeah, her. Yeah, and true. The wolves will terrify her. Interesting. I wonder if she's seen it. Now I'm going to find out. She must have. Mm, I'm going to find out. Um, MVP of the film. Sammy? Uh, we're going to go with the inhabitants of the castle, the minor characters. They flesh out the world in oh, such a, a such call. a fun way. Uh, they, they really add some much-needed levity to the film. They're a ton of fun. Yeah, that's a good answer. I was going to say, um, <coughs> I think the animation and the, the, the 2d and the CGI coming together, but I think it's actually probably, it's, it's the, it's the, it's the characters in the castle. Absolutely. It is. All right. Well, I'm going to go with, uh, Howard Ashman for writing the songs. Cool. Uh, also also good. Good. I, I think it's the yeah. songs that make this, uh, movie, uh, so memorable. So I'm gonna go with Howard Ashman and Al Menken, I think. Yeah, Menken. I know that Ashman gets a lot of the uh, uh, the credit for it, but uh, Al Menken gets another. Uh, <clears throat> what is quickly becoming one of our favorite parts of the episode, Sam, recommend a, a good double feature to go with this film. Uh, yeah, I, we usually cheat a little and do like you can mention a couple that you consider like there's one super obvious one right out of the gate but i mean i try not to watch movies that i haven't uh i haven't actually seen and i haven't actually seen the 2017 beauty and the beast so i'm not going to recommend that here as a double feature i, I don't um, think that would make a good double feature sam no you're watching the same movie back to back that's that's not a good double feature in my another opinion. good reason why i wouldn't recommend it as a double feature manny thank you for adding that in <laughs> uh if you want to go off the theme of uh a woman falling in love with a beast, but like better. The movie from uh, the same year as the 2017 uh, Beauty and the Beast, uh, The Shape of Water, aka Grinding Nemo. <laughs> Literally, it's basically just a fairy tale. Honestly, it very, very much is similar. Oh shit! You guys don't seem enthused. You know, I wasn't prepared. Like I just wasn't prepared for that. <laughs> I wasn't ready. I didn't see that coming. <laughs> I didn't see that coming. Not do you at see all. the connection though? You see how my brain's yeah. working on that? I do. Yeah. Wow. Okay. <laughs> you both look shocked. <laughs> Obviously, don't watch it with I children. Do. You know, you don't want to watch a woman fuck a fish with with all your kids. But you know, it's. I do really wish we were recording the um. The video, like our screen, because yeah, I have like the basis that made I thought today, were like... so benign that you guys have just like been purely <laughs> shocked at. This has been oh, this has been a bizarre shit. episode for me. I I did not yeah. see. Is it no? Is it, I wasn't prepared it, for it that. It can't be bestiality to fuck a fish, right? <laughs> <laughs> I don't. That's that <laughs> sentence. I want you to know is pure comedy gold. <laughs> That I want that sentence <laughs> just clipped, and that's just the intro to all of our shows. <laughs> <laughs> it can't be bestiality. Oh I genuinely don't know. I don't know the answer. It's not good. Like it's not encouraged. Whatever it is, probably depends on if you're like a pescatarian or not. You have different views yeah. on it. Yeah. Have I'm, I'm, I want to do a quick tangent here because this actually kind of works in perfectly to what I just said. Have I ever told you about one of the greatest pranks ever pulled on me? No. Okay. I don't think so. 
quick tangent. One of my best friends in the world, his name is Chad. He lives on the island. One of the reasons that him and I get along so well is that we obsess over things. And when he gets an obsession, he dives full in, doesn't fuck around. He dives in deep. He got in huge into building his own aquarium. He mm. researched it. He built his own aquarium, a huge fucking one. He grew his own coral. And so as he was doing this, he was sending me pictures of the tank itself, the coral he bought and stuff like that. And he would send me pictures and updates. And he took his time. He did a lot of research. He spent a fuck ton of money on doing this. This is over the course of like six months of him doing this. He would send me pictures of when he filled it up and all this stuff. And like, it was beautiful. So I've been getting updates over the course of six months. He said he, uh, he called, does he call me? No, he texts me. He's like, Manny, he's like, I kind of went overboard with my, um, with my aquarium. And I'm like, holy shit. I'm like, what did you do now? Cause I, I, he sent me some of the costs that he had spent on this uh, aquarium tank, and they were fucking more than I was, I would ever think of spending on an aquarium tank. And he's like, he's like, I bought a very expensive fish, and I was like, holy! I'm like, I'm thinking in my mind like for like a hundred bucks. He's like, I spent five thousand dollars on the fish. I was like, are you fucking kidding me? He's like, no. He's like, worth every penny. And I was like, holy shit! I'm like, I'm like, well, can I see it? He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, I'll, I'll send you, I'll send you a video of it immediately. Sends me the video, I click on it, and it's a video of a guy sitting in a bathtub, fucking a fish. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to figure out where that was going the entire time, and I didn't get there. Yeah. I'm glad we got and there. That, and that, that text conversation, like from when he started, the it was probably about two or three hours because I think we were both working. So it wasn't like a five minute, like he stretched that joke over the course of six months of, it's not like he built the aquarium to do that joke, yeah. but it was one of the greatest pranks ever pulled at me. I laughed so hard. So that is a glorious hard. moment. Yeah. Oh, it is. So did you recommend shape of water to him? I guess is the question. <laughs> this was pre pre shape of water. Mm. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, wait, Jordan. Besides some fish fuckery, what uh, is your recommended double feature? Um, so I went in a slightly similar vein, although more um, kid-friendly, I suppose, for a double feature, Beauty mm -hmm. and the Beast. Uh, about another movie about falling in love with someone, um, no matter what they look like, and being able to just be yourself. Um, so I went with Shrek. Mm, cool. Nice. Good one. Well done. Yeah. Uh, mine was uh, very obvious. Uh, I was thinking double feature with uh, more uh, of a of um, a, a youth centric double feature, uh, not the kind that I could show the shape of water to. So I went with basically uh, back to back uh, the Disney Renaissance uh, superheroes, uh, the Little Mermaid. Uh, doubled up with uh, with Beauty and the Beast. Nice, cool. Uh, Sam, what will be this film's legacy? Uh, one of the formative films in the Disney Renaissance, and one of the only animated movies to ever be nominated for Best Picture. Yeah, yeah. Jordan? I also have uh, first animated film to be nominated for Best Picture, um, and just uh, as a personal legacy, the reason why Jordan owns six hundred and eighty books. <laughs> nice. That's uh, deflecting. Take responsibility for your actions. <laughs> <laughs> no. 
yeah, that that's for me. It, the legacy for this film is is both of those. It's part of the Disney Renaissance as well as being the first animated animated film to be nominated for Best Picture. Sam, did you learn anything from this movie? I did. And what, and what was it? Uh, being ugly and hairy and having a shit personality doesn't matter when you have a fuck ton of money. Excellent. <laughs> Jordan, what profound life experience did you learn from this movie? Hopefully at the same level as my beloved Matt, co-host, Sam. I'm batting a thousand today. This is great. <laughs> um... Mine, I mean, I guess it's not necessarily different from Sam's. It is worded better. <laughs> I think it's more poetic, maybe. Uh, just that um, be unapologetically true to yourself uh, and you will meet people who love you. I like that. Um, what I learned from this movie is that Stockholm Syndrome is real. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> Oh my god. Sam, your final thoughts. I'm beauty. Beauty this isn't even this isn't even the latest podcast or the longest podcast we've ever recorded. <laughs> we've all got the giggles so bad right now. This is this it's is bad. We needed it. Yeah. <laughs> we got yeah. there. Thinking from the beginning to now, oh, things have taken shit. a turn and then another turn. Jo- Jordan and I needed this after the last three weeks. The last three many movie club picks. Yes, yeah, seriously. I haven't been watching along. Has it been dark? Yeah. It's been so depressing. Dude. I've cried every time. Yeah. Yeah. It's I do really hard. like Beast of No Nation. I might try to get a watch in, but I, I know myself I'm probably not going to. Uh, look, Beauty and the Beast. It's not one of my all-time favorite Disney 2D animated movies. It's not the kind of film that I grew up with, nor am I the target demographic for it. So um, I totally understand that all the criticisms I've levied at the movie through tonight, you know, this this is a children's movie. It's directed towards children. That being said, it's a film that did receive widespread critical acclaim and, uh, has this legendary status about it. So I don't think that it's, um, I don't think it's pretentious at all to, to to levy any criticism at it where I see fit. Um, but all that being said, it's obviously a superbly well-made movie, technically well-crafted from top to bottom. Um, the animation, uh, the sound design and, uh, and everything in between really elevates this movie to another level. The voice performances are all excellent across the board. Um, where this movie really lacks, in my opinion, is uh, is the connection between uh, Belle and the Beast. It makes a bit of a logical leap, in my opinion, um, connecting them as quickly as they do. And there are aspects of the relationship that I flat out don't like. So having an emotional investment in that is a little bit difficult for me. Um, but from a technical perspective, it is fantastic. And on top of all of that, the side characters in the castle and the songs that they sing, as well as Gaston... Um, are all fucking fun as hell. They are all an absolute blast. So uh, this movie is certainly not a perfect one as far as I'm concerned. Probably not worthy of that 95 meta score, but definitely worth a watch and worth a rewatch. Fair enough. Jordan. <laughs> um, obviously, as mentioned earlier, this is my number two movie of all time. Um. I, unlike Sam, did grow up with this movie. I've been watching it my entire life. Um, I can't imagine a time where I, like, I don't remember existing without liking this movie. Um, so it's it's got a very special place in my heart. Um, 
it's one of my comfort movies. I watch it when I need to chill or I just want a happy, happy, feel good movie. Um, it's definitely one of my top go tos. The songs are all spectacular. Like ranking the songs was incredibly difficult. I struggled. Apart I from the mob, fuck off. Apart from the mob <laughs> song being number six, and the rest of them, I really struggled with placing them. Like, I, except for Beauty and the Beast is always my number one. But like something there, Belle, Gaston, and Be Our Guest, they're all so good that it's so hard to say that one is better than the other, in my personal opinion. Um, they're all just so well done and they're so fun to watch and um the animation of this movie is so incredible and it's engrossing and it makes you just it makes you really enjoy your time watching this movie when you get to be a part of the action kind of like you are in most modern movies where you're moving with the camera and you get to see what everybody else is seeing um it's a really cool aspect to it um, obviously I relate a lot to this movie. I grew up kind of wanting to be Belle. I still have certain aspirations, not all, but certain ones. Um, I will have a library one day like that. Um, I just love this movie. Um, I, it also, it's been nice. Like it's one of my mom's favorite movies and we don't agree on movies almost ever. Um, we have actually very many heated arguments over movies. Um, but to have this one movie that we both love, um and i know like i know manny hates the live action but it was really cool to get to go watch that the live action one in theaters with her um because it's a movie we both enjoy so it was a really fun experience for us to get to go do that together um it's just a fantastic movie in my opinion it's my favorite disney movie it's my favorite i mean it's my second favorite movie of all time i don't know how much more praise i can give on it um it's my feel-good movie and i'll continue to watch this all the time for the rest of my days This movie is fun for the musical numbers. It's has a very enjoyable villain. It has some incredible minor characters. Uh, it's highly regarded as one of the best animated films. Uh, groundbreaking in regards to it being nominated for Best Picture. Groundbreaking in regards to it adding CGI to allow for more technical aspects of this film to flourish. Uh, it's just an iconic film that uh, is worthy of its praise uh, for its technical uh, proficiency. A movie that I enjoy and I visit from time to time. Time for the hard stuff. Sam, what's your rating for Beauty <laughs> and the Beast? Well, guys, the spotlight's on me and I'm going to milk it for just a little bit longer before giving my answer. Jordan's face is fully in her hands right now. <laughs> and it's glorious. I hate you so much. <laughs> Jordan, it's okay. It's a, it's a three. It's a three yeah. for me. Yeah, it's, a, it's nowhere close to a fail. Never approaches that. Oh, but that, I, that never even occurred to me. If you no, never, it never that. approaches a fail. Um, it's definitely on the four side of being a three. It's a, it's a three. It's a technically really well-made movie that I enjoy with some problems. Jordan? Uh, to the shock of absolutely zero humans who have been listening to us talk for the last three hours, it's a five. Yeah. There's a surprise. <laughs> uh, it's a four for me. Yeah. Yeah, Cute. So pretty easy four. Three, four, five. Variety. The spice of life, am I right, gang? <laughs> the tiny differences between us. That's what makes it worthwhile. That's what makes I think it I've fun. still yet to be on a podcast where all three of us have had the same rating on a movie. 
Uh, I can, I'll, I can, I'll check that for you. Uh, Sam, I'm going to say arrival. We probably all had fives. Oh, maybe you're right. Yeah, oh, that's definitely true. That's true. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. There, I don't need to look. I think no, Jurassic Park, all four of us had fives as well, right? Oh, that's potentially. That, yes. That's true as well. Yeah. Yeah. Sam, what's next week? Well, Manny, we're done 1991. We made it through, except for one more. We got uh, we got the, the wrap-up episode. Your interview, 1991. The final episode, that is the the wrap-up of all the movies we've been talking about. We're going to... We're going to give our top tens. We're going to rank performances. We're going to talk about technical aspects. We're going to talk about the year 1991 itself and uh, have a whole bunch of fun. These episodes are always really a blast when we get to uh, go back and talk about uh, all, all the films that we've just been watching. It's basically what we work towards. And uh, I'm looking forward to it. And I know Manny is too. Oh, yeah. It's one of my favorite episodes to do by mm-hmm. far. Um, yeah, I'm pumped. I apologize in advance for the terrible list that I give you for 1991. That's okay. That's okay. Uh, thank you, Jordan, for joining us yet well again. Well done. Well yeah. done. Uh, crushing it. You're like, I was going to sound like you're like the Babe Ruth, but Babe Ruth got passed by two people. Um, <laughs> well, thank yeah. you. Thank you guys for having me. I love coming on here. Yeah, we love it I've when you come it on. Twelve times now, so mm-hmm. you know, keep going when we can. I think what I'm going to do, Jordan, is I'm going to purposely pick a bad movie and force you to join us for it. I honestly yeah, would love to come on here and shit on a movie. I think the there's, I think we've done one movie that I didn't love, but even then, I couldn't shit on it. Dude, you should join us for the next Razzie winner. That's okay. the, that's the All Adventures right. of Ford Fairlane. Oh my God, you would not like that movie. <laughs> All right. What is it called? The Adventures of The Adventures of Ford Fairlane. It's gonna be terrible. Oh wait, is that the one with Andrew Dice Clay? Yep. Nice. <laughs> I don't think you'll. I don't think you'll hate it. Like I don't think you'll actively hate it. Not like shining through. Ooh, a twenty-four meta score. Nice. Yep. Um, I don't know. Oh, Priscilla Presley's in this. I don't know anybody. Oh, Gilbert Gottfried. I still think you should watch right. Hudson Hawk if given the chance. Oh my god. I will try to. I will try. Let me see what I have. And then I'll listen to your episode on it. Mm-hmm. No, no. No, none of those are bad. I'm, I'll take a look I'll take a look at what else is coming in nineteen ninety. Speaking of which, quick thing on uh when you get a chance, hmm. no rush, because it won't be won't be starting until around April. Um, but if there's any 1990 films that pique your interest besides something shitty, I'm, I'll, I'll see if I can find something <laughs> shitty. Sounds good. Maybe like yeah, Days I'll, of, uh, maybe I'll Days of Thunder, Tom, Tom Cruise's NASCAR movie. That might be fun to rip apart. Yeah, like we're, we're starting to get into I haven't seen most of these movies eras. Mm-hmm. I'll, um, I'll get you a list of 1990 movies as well. Oh, um, Tremors. Yeah. Oh, we've already done that movie though. You have. We're doing it again. Are we really? No, no. <laughs> no. I would like. I would love to. But no. <laughs> yeah. No. Not. Not quite good enough in my. In my. Even though I love that movie, um, for us to do another episode on. Yeah. Not like. Like we're definitely doing Aliens again. Is that? That year. No. No. Mm, okay. 
but we might start doing we might start doing an alien gotcha. film each year for alien day gotcha understood yeah 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 anyways okay yeah. Uh, yes thank you so much jordan uh for coming on uh Grazie. it's always it's always a treat when you do um i look forward to you coming again soon and i will i will find an actively bad movie <laughs> or, or or not even an actively <laughs> bad movie a movie that i think you will not like good i um, feel like you guys know like pretty well to know exactly what i'm not gonna like <laughs> yeah I'll, I'll i'll find some i'll find something i'll, I'll try and find something that I'm like she might like really like this or actively hate it <laughs> but like I'm, I'm, not gonna, I'm not gonna pick something that is like like a bad movie just something that would be you might not really like or ever think to watch that would allow you to rip into something nice i like the sound of that i I'll think that'd be a good time i'll see what i can find uh, all right, please remember to rate, review, and subscribe to us on iTunes. If you give us a five-star rating or positive review, it does increase the profile of our podcast, allows more people to find us, which we would desperately love. You can uh, follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Sam underscore many underscore movie. You can email us at sammanymoviepodcast at gmail.com. You can follow us on Letterboxd, which we highly recommend because Letterboxd fucking rules, even though they are not a sponsor. Uh, you can follow us at many42, Sam Reimer, and Jordan, what's yours again? Uh, I think it's just J.A. Spires. J.A. Spires. All right, yeah. perfect. Uh, so for the Samuel and Manuel movie podcast, I'm Manny Manuel. Tale as old as time, song as old as rhyme. I'm Sam Reimer. Be. Adios. Our guest, be our guest, put our service to the test. Tie your napkin round your neck, sherry, and we provide the rest. Soup du jour, hot or d'oeuvre, why, we only live to serve. Try the gray stuff, it's delicious. Don't believe me? Ask the dishes. They can sing, they can dance. After all, miss, this is France. And a dinner here is never second best. Go on, unfold your menu, take a glance, and then you'll be our guest. We our guest, be our guest.